What's happening, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of Rapping with Reef Bump. I'm your host, Keith Berkelhammer. So tonight, I welcome back my buddy, Chris Meckley from ACI Aquaculture. What's happening there, man? Not much, buddy. How are you doing? Thanks, good, everybody, for good. joining in. Yeah, this is kind of like our, uh, almost like our annual little uh, holiday live stream. I always seem to have you on a couple times a year and one's right before the holidays. It always is. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do it. I enjoy it so much. I mean, it started uh, three years ago. That's right, man. You've been on the show for three years or something like that? Is that uh, I, I've, I've lost track in terms of how many times you've been on the live stream. I couldn't even tell you how many times I've been on either, but um, it started three years ago because um, of Chris Wood. And we got hooked up because um, I started doing the old pH boost. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and that's uh, kind of where it really started with you and me. Um, so I guess this is kind of like uh, our, our three-year anniversary for even really hanging out or knowing each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, hey, cheers to that, my friend. Cheers. Absolutely, cheers. dude. Happy holidays to you and all of your uh, loved ones, your family and whatnot, and everybody else out there. Happy holidays, folks. Exactly. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Um, Whatever you celebrate. <laughs> just for those that don't know Chris, and there's a small fraction probably out there that don't know you, man. Um, I mean, you go to trade shows and whatnot, you get like mobbed. I, you know, I, I've seen it. But, yeah, it's uh, tough when I go at Aquashella Daytona. My um, my family came over, and I didn't get to walk through the show hardly at all. It was uh, <sighs> it's kind of disheartening. But I at think, the same time, I think, it's I think next time you gotta you know you gotta wear a disguise, dude. Go incognito. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> put a hoodie up, <laughs> paint my face, <laughs> sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so Chris and his wife uh, Amanda run. Um, ACI Aquaculture in Plant City, Florida. They are a coral wholesaler, and uh, they run the business together with uh, some other folks down there in Plant City, Florida. I've been there uh, twice. Looking forward to that uh, next trip down there, uh, dude. Because every Can't time to come. every time I go there, it's like, man, it's like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. And we're gonna we're gonna be seeing a lot of stuff because you and Amanda passed along some pretty. Uh, Pretty unbelievable pictures and, and some video. Before we get into the discussion, though, I want to thank the sponsors for the live stream, both Bulk Resupply and Ecotech Marine. Appreciate them supporting the show. And I also appreciate all you folks out there tuning in. I see there's a whole bunch of people already watching and in the chat. And, um, yeah, if you haven't hit that like button already, hit that uh, slam it. Hit that like button so more people can mm -hmm. find us. And certainly want to encourage you folks to drop your comments and questions in the chat. I already see a, a few questions uh chris and um before we get into it though we are going to do a giveaway again tonight since you are sporting that uh that reef bum work shirt yes the personalized reef bum work shirt. <laughs> <laughs> there's there is going to be one lucky viewer tonight that will win one of those and and you will have your uh name embroidered onto the uh onto the shirt itself so it's a true custom work shirt i dig it i wear it every third i dig I, it i was about to say i wear it every thursday night now i'm doing it tuesday <laughs> night so <laughs> you're you're finally like i, I keep uh, i know confusing you and amanda right? i mean every time it's like oh geez i forgot it's on he's on tuesdays now instead of thursdays i'm catching you at the end of your stream i'm like damn it 
<laughs> but um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm getting used to it, and I just hope you don't switch back to Thursdays because then I'll be like, what the heck yeah, is going on I here? Know. I'll get confused <laughs> with everybody. So uh, yeah, probably um, at some point down in, in the middle of this live stream, I'll pass along the instructions in terms of how to enter this uh, this giveaway for the uh, for the work shirt. So. Awesome. Um, Dude, man, what's what's been going on? You know, holidays, things gonna uh, you're gonna take a little break, I assume. But how how things been at the farm these days? Ah, it's been awesome. I mean, we got um, we got some new projects we're working on. Um, we set up an entire spawning lab um, so that we can um, you know get on the spawning bandwagon. It's um, very frustrating, very fun, very interesting. Um, we missed the species that we wanted to spawn by a, probably think it's a month. Um, poor Amanda. She was at the, God bless her. She was at the farm uh, after the full moon for like two straight weeks until like one, two o'clock in the morning, really? just hoping and praying we were going to have some uh, babies of this species. I'm not going to mention the species because it's kind of um, something we want to keep under wraps. Um, our buddies at inner fish um, in Australia, we're working uh, with us as well, and um, you know, sure enough, their Australian the Australian counterparts to this species um, happened to spawn after the full moon, um, and they got um, spawn and settlement. I'm very, very happy for them. Um, at least we know when the Australian species or um, version of uh, version of this coral actually um, does spawn, and we think that the Indonesian one we missed it by a month. We we broke some corals open to check for eggs and sperm, and we found them in September. We found them in October, mm. but nobody knows anything about this species. There's no documentation whatsoever on it, so um, we didn't know exactly what we were looking at. And we've got a very um, important person working with us. I'm not sure she would want me to be mentioning her name right now, but um, down the road, I'm sure it'll come out. But um, it, uh, we didn't know that they were going to go off in October, and we're pretty sure that they did. And um, I gave her some corals. I took, you know, we have sixty some of them in our in our spawning uh, lab system, and um, we cracked two more open uh, just uh, this past weekend, and they were empty, um, zero eggs inside of them or sperm. So we think we missed it. It was probably in October, but um, that's exciting. I mean, that's uh, that's the newest and greatest thing I think for this industry is um, spawning. And um, I have uh, some really awesome people that I that I know personally, um, and also that are working with us that have done it uh, for the last six years, and they're teaching us all the ropes. And that is uh, more food for my brain. <laughs> you know, it's uh, when something kind of you know, the industry doesn't go stagnant ever for me. Um, the hobby, it's always going to be a hobby, but um, it. When it gets to be kind of like, okay, what's new? What's what's next? Um, this is the next thing. And this should be able to feed me for the next decade because there's so much unknowns about it. Um, and I'm just excited to be able to, you know, have good people working with me and um, uh, hopefully crack the code to some of these species that uh, as of 2024, we won't be seeing anymore from Indonesia. Uh, the end of 2024, that is. That's the band's um, going back in, into effect, right? Um, it's not a ban. It's just a, well, I guess it is a complete ban of all wild, um, side east corals. Uh, you will no longer see wild exports coming out of Indonesia, but mariculture will be, um, still, 
available unless something happens there. But, um, you know, as of 2024, the end of the year, that is the, well, in a couple of weeks here, mm. we have the last of the quotas coming. Well, it's actually less than a week. Um, the 2024 quota will be out. And um, at the end of that year, it's over. Wow. So all of the species that cannot be mariculture will never see from Indonesia again. Um, I'm stockpiling those things like you wouldn't believe. And they're going to definitely be part of the spawning lab um, because they can't be fragmented. And um, that's going to be, uh, I think, the way of the future to keep these beautiful creatures in everybody's sight. Because once we can't get them anymore, they'll be forgotten. So explain that, Chris, in terms of spawning versus fragging. What's uh, what's kind of like the reason to spawn corals? Well, the great thing about spawning corals is um, you create – well, what is created there is sexual spawn. So you have two parents and you get different genes mixing together, which means you get different color morphs, different genotypes nice. um, that will be available. So – Right now, the industry is full of amazing corals that people are able to fragment. Um, you know, favia, favites, you know, acroporas, you know, uh, the different fimbrophilias and euphilias, you know, glabrescence, all that stuff is is fragment, you know, is able to be propagated and grown. Um, but over time, when we can't get these corals anymore and we can't get anything new and interesting that is found the only way we're going to get something new other than what's already here is by actually sexually spawning these animals and and um hoping and praying we get um you know new color morphs which would be you know something that would be amazing for the industry and keep it interesting for the people that are in it and that love it right um because over time after the Indonesian ban goes into effect and we can't get the wild corals, yes, we'll be able to get certain species on mariculture as long as that continues. But eventually it'll go stagnant on fragmenting these these corals that we have because everybody's going to have the same thing. And the only thing that's going to make it different is actually spawning some amazing pieces together and getting a gene pool that gets us, you know, diversity um, and I see it with inner fish over in Australia. You know, they send me these photos of these absolutely ridiculous, never seen before micro lords that they've spawned mm. that I've never seen anything like them come out of the wild, wow. but they have spawned babies. And now they're working on getting F2 generation. They already have F1s. Now they're working on F2s. So F, the difference between F1 and F2 for the people that don't know is – when you have F0 is the original parents, and then your first generation from those parents is F1. To get F2, you have to spawn F1. So you have to have enough diversity in the gene pool with the babies that you were able to, to spawn and settle from F0. You just take the F1 generation from all of your spawn that you got off of the F0s and hope that there's enough gene pool in there that when you spawn them, you'll get even more diversity. So the theory that we have is, is, you know, if, if people don't know this, I mean, people only see what we see in our aquariums, these absolutely stunning, vibrant, beautiful corals, but that's not reality. When you dive on a reef, you don't see nothing but vibrant, insanely colored, beautiful corals. You see a lot of brown and green. Yeah. So to get that 10% of beauty and color is all that the aquarium trade is looking for. So I think I've said this a hundred times, you know, for everybody to think that, you know, the aquarium hobby taking corals from the reef is actually destroying the reefs. It's like the biggest myth out there because 
we don't want the green and the brown. We want the vibrant. So we're taking a 10% of what actually lives on the reefs. Now we're going to take that 10% and we're going to put those genes together versus when you have a mass spawn in the ocean, you're getting all the brown and green with all the vibrant stuff mixing together. So you end up with 10% beautiful. The rest is not desirable for the aquarium trade. So the theory is if we spawn only the high colors together, Mm. what are we going to get? Are we going to get all vibrant colors? Well, inner fish has kind of proven that theory to be fairly accurate because they got very few ugly ducklings out of their spawns and a lot of amazingly unique pieces. Um, So that's pretty much all I know and can really talk about with the spawning. I think it's interesting. It's going to be fun. And um, I'll let everybody else do the acroporas and the other stuff. Um, I'll learn to do that down the road, but I want to learn the stuff that nobody's ever done before. Yeah. So is it, Amanda, Amanda and I do. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it, is it uh, like species specific in terms of what you have like in a, uh, in a, in a system for spawning corals? I mean, do you have to isolate it that specifically? At this point in time, that's what we have. Um, but what we're planning on doing is we don't have a big enough area to set up a huge, massive spawning system, multiple of them. We're yeah. going to set up one spawning system that's going to have three tanks that are going to have um, – the one's going to be just strictly one species. The other ones are going to be a mix of different species. And from the data that we already know for certain species that we want to put in there, um, they're going to spawn at different times which is going to keep us on our toes, going to keep us staying up all damn night long. Um, <laughs> Amanda was having so much fun. She shoot, shoot me a text message at one thirty in the morning. No babies, no babies. And, and, and we, I just get so bummed out, you know, but she was having such a good time with it. You know, there's something that she's been, we, we've both been talking about for a while, but um, it's, it's a coral, you know, that she really um, enjoys a lot. So, um, she was really hoping that we would get them to, to spawn. But I, again, I think we missed it by a month. So why, why is it important to actually witness the spawn? What's the purpose of witnessing the spawning, um, the act of the coral spawning? Well, the eggs are buoyant, so they float to the surface. And if you have water flowing, they're going to go right down your drain. Okay. If they go right down your drain, as they start to develop, they're they're so um, – it's like uh, – it's like an egg yolk, okay? If you poke it with a pin, it's going to start to ooze the yellow goo inside, right? Yeah. So if you have an egg that is fertilized and it's developing and it's just developing, so you go from you know um, a single egg, the sperm penetrates, and you get your first cell division, now you have an embryo that's forming. And it's very delicate at that stage until it actually um, – and this is all just from what I've been told, what I've learned from the people I've been working with. They're very delicate when their embryo is actually developing. So you don't want them to actually be brushed up against, say, a filter floss or a filter sock or anything like that because it will rupture them and it will destroy them. So being there, when they spawn, you want to turn off your water flow so that you can allow the eggs to to get to the surface and mix with the sperm and there's so much more to it than that, but that is the main reason why you want to be there. And if if you're not there, there's there's you have options. And I've got theories in my head on how to fix us from having to be there without having to worry about the eggs going down the drain. Um, I have uh, in my head, I haven't figured out exactly how I want to do it, but I'm going to make an egg catcher that's not going to allow the eggs to be um, 
hitting anything but a super smooth surface and will not crush them with water flow. Mm. It will, it will actually separate them out from the water flowing, you know, through the egg catcher. If that works, that's going to be a game changer for us because then of course we can just go in and check the egg catcher every single day and, Oh my gosh, we got babies, you know, and then we have to go through the whole, that would be easy. Um, and if you know me well enough, I try to simplify everything, (laughs) you know, it's, um, it's, it's, they always say work smarter, not harder. Right. So that's been my philosophy on reefing ever since I've been doing it. And when it comes to this, my brain won't stop thinking about how we can make this easier than sitting around watching corals spawn and collecting their eggs and going through that painstaking process. Have you thought about tricking them in terms of the time of the day or is that just possible because of the moon phases and all that stuff? Already going to be doing that. Um, We had everything set up so that it was opposite so that would actually the moon would be the sun would be setting at 10 a.m. So we had a, roughly a two hour period to do anything when the lights were on or when the, the sun was up, per se, and before the moon rose. But um, when I moved the apex into the spawning room, it reset itself to an hour later than our actual time, but on the correct time zone. And I'm going, oh, I can't change it now. Cause I didn't want to mess them up because we're literally, we're like three days, two days before the full moon. And I, I thought it was going to mess them up, but I learned later that that wouldn't have messed them up at all. And of course we missed it anyhow. So it wouldn't have made a difference. <laughs> so that's the plan is so that they're the, the moon rises during the daytime for us. And it's easily done. Um, I know from reading what Jamie Craig's has done um, and from uh, this some of the other people that I know that they have them on schedule so that when their workers are there, they don't have to worry about being there at, you know, 10 o'clock at night, yeah. you know, when the moon is coming up and their spawning is supposed to be happening. <laughs> I see uh, uh, Robert in the comments said Richard Ross just talked about this today on Reef Builders. Yeah, Richard Ross is, um, has experience doing the, uh, the spawning. He does. Yeah. I've been talking to Richard too. Rich, I'm, I'm happy for Richard. Richard's got his F1 uh, hyacinthus that um, went off. And he's going to have um, F2s from the uh, hyacinthus that he spawned back in 2020. Um, if you're listening, Richard, congrats, buddy. I know I've already said it once, um, but, you know, publicly, you know, it's amazing uh, what you're doing. And, um, you know, I'm uh, glad to know you and be a part of it. And any pointers I can get, I'm just waiting. Just keep going. You know, I got a handful of coral species coming up here in like January, February that are going to actually, that are known to spawn. And um, I've got plenty of them set aside. They go into the spawning system. I just have to get my button gear and get these last two tanks put into place. Um, more tanks. Don't know. More tanks. More tanks. I, I, where, oh, where, where, you're going to have to move, man. I mean, where's the, where's it going to fit? It'd be, it'd be 11 systems. <laughs> no, 11 <laughs> systems. This will be the smallest one I have that we have though. Wow. This will literally be the smallest system that we have, but could be the most lucrative if, if, if things go well. Um, it's, it's going to be very exciting, very interesting. I can't wait to be able to broadcast what we've learned and what we do and, and the species that we're working with to the world one day. Um, just, I'm promised some secrecy on certain things until sometime this week when Interfish decides they're going to put their, their, um, release out of the announcement that they spawned and settled this one species, which, um, I'm very happy for them. I see Richard, uh, um, from reefs is in the chat there i think he says uh, chris keep some What's up richard keep some info until we're ready <laughs> uh, I'm, i haven't said much buddy don't worry i'm, I'm learning to be fine-tuned with what i have to so say this is going to drop <laughs> this is going to drop on reefs uh in terms of what's going on the details of the project 
Well, if I have anything to do with it, Richard will have his ass up there during the whole process. And he'll be watching, you know, everything go along and documenting it. And it's going to be fun. Um, he deserves it. Richard's been a, a big asset for, you know, a friend first and foremost, and a big asset for helping um, put the word out for th things that we enjoy and things that we do and promote in ACI. I mean, Richard put a lot of nice, uh, a lot of good content out there talking with me in it with, um, you know, just like I do here on your show, Richard comes up and shoots videos and spends hours editing because I don't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, when I go see him and I just kind of like let the camera roll and there you go. It's like a one take. <laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> um, so we got a couple of random questions, dude. Let's um, let's just answer a couple of these questions and then we'll uh, kind of dig into sure. the uh, to the coral discussion. Maybe a couple Sounds other good. things. Um, Andrew H. Interested to know Chris's experience with fluoride dosing. I've been using Reef Labs ICP, and they do not offer fluoride measurements currently. But wondering, is it worth exploring other ICP results? What? So how? I guess the question is, how do you handle fluoride dosing? Do you? Flu I dose fluoride twenty four seven um, in minute amounts. Um, if you go on to the Reef Labs uh, Facebook page, there was a whole discussion about uh, fluoride. And the fact that, you know, Gene doesn't test for fluoride. Well, there's reasons why Gene doesn't test for fluoride. Um, for one, it's a sticky element. It's a very difficult element to actually test being a halogen. The only way it can be tested was ICPMS. And currently, Gene is not happy with the results that he's getting from his ICPMS um, because it's a lot more difficult um, to get accuracy because of the, the noise that interferes with the results. So he has been dialing in the OES machine and he's got that thing dialed into the point where he's got, I think, four elements that he's getting in parts per trillion on OES. And um, testing for fluoride, um, if you go onto that, one of the Reef Labs um, page and look back at uh, Gene's explanation for the reasoning behind fluoride and why it's not being done, it'll become very clear to you as to why it's not really an element to mess around with unless you're doing, um, unless you're testing frequently and it's better to add minute and small amounts than it is to go right to where you think it needs to be. Um, I add about a quarter of what Chris recommends on the reef blueprint fluorine. Um, and I've been doing that for, two years and I did actually have um an ICP MS test done just for just just for just to see what I my fluorine levels were. I found it in a box. I'm like, wow, I still have an ICP MS from this company. I'm like, <laughs> might as well use it to see where the fluorine is. It's been two years since I've done an MS to see where fluorine levels were. And I didn't even dose it before I was when I was using the MS. When I had it tested, I don't know how accurate the results were, but I was at um, I was I was deficient. I know that, but I don't. It's supposed to be what the heck is it? I'm I'm, I'm drawing a blank on fluorine levels right now. I think it's a uh, one point zero um, one point one point three one point three yeah one point right. three, and I was at one point one eight if I remember correctly. And I said, I'm good. If I'm only dosing a quarter dose, I'm good. Now, my question is, is, is that quarter dose just slowly risen that level up and now it's going to end up getting too high? Yeah. But because it's it's been two years of dosing a quarter dose, I'm not concerned. You know, if it goes up 
to 1.35 or 1.5 over the next year before Gene gets the MS running, I don't think it's going to be a big deal because it's going to be such a gradual rise that it's not going to be like this big boom. Let's, uh... Are there any uh, <laughs> are there any um, telltale signs that you're overdosing fluoride? And the you know one sign in terms of being dialed in is the blues will pop more on acros, you know. But um, are you aware of any kind of signs in terms of overdosing fluoride? It's it's a halogen, so it's like iodine. It's like chlorine. It's like bromine. You know, they're they're very caustic. They're very very. Um, yeah, it's not something. If if you're overdosed on fluorine, you're gonna know it. Your your, your corals will probably shut down. Um, though the polyps will retract. Um, I, that's a guess, though. I, I you know you can't hold me to that as fact because I've never experienced it that I know of, and I don't know anybody that has actually experienced fluorine overdosing because too many people are not using it because it's they're scared of it. Yeah. You know, and I was scared of it as well for a long time until I just said, well. What's a quarter dose going to hurt me? Right. You know, I'm, I'm adding it. And believe me, as soon as I put that quarter dose in about two weeks into it, the blues started going, whoa. Yeah. That's what <laughs> I really noticed. It really makes the blues pop. That's, that's what I noticed. <laughs> yeah. The Jackson's rainbow. When we look at that photo, I'm just like, All right. it's going to make your head spin. Here's the uh, Jackson's. What number is the Jackson's rainbow? Um, I think Jackson's is. Um, there it I'm is. I'm looking to. It's number, number four. four. Yeah, that's so. That this is. Uh, I gave you a, a a nice little chunky frag. That was like 13 months ago. November. November. I got it. November of 2022. 2022. And look at it now. And all its glory. That. And it, you know, that, that grows pretty fast for Unbelievable. me. It does, you know, and this has got like a, I mean, I don't see a lot of blue light in that picture either, man. So, I mean, that's, it's not, it's a pretty true representation of what that coral is all about. So that's, that is definitely that's one coral where you can see the blues popping with the, uh, the fluorine. I've been watching this coral since you, you, since you sent it to me and, you know, I don't know where you had it growing. Was it under your halides at the time or was it under your LEDs? Uh, I think I gave you a piece from my uh, halides. Okay. Um, it, it, it took it a while to puddle, but once it started to puddle, it just, that, that's actually on now. It was on a two inch tile. Now it's on a three inch tile. It's getting ready to graduate to go to the four inch <laughs> tile because um, it's, it's growing like a weed all of a sudden. Um, the colors in it are just mind blowing. I mean, I, I heard of Jackson's rainbow, but as you know me, I don't really go by the names yeah. of the coral. Yeah. I just look at it and if I like it, I get it. Yeah. But wow. Now, uh, you know, so, um, rich Colombo sometimes comes into the stream was the guy that kind of like brought this coral, I believe into the hobby. He was a hobbyist and, um, got out of the hobby. I think he's getting back into it. Um, awesome. so this was like, you know, years and years ago, man, this was like, you know, there was like a big craze for this coral before the whole rainbow tenuous craze. <laughs> and there was a good reason for that because it's just like eye popping in terms of the colors that are coming out of this thing under full spectrum lighting, you know? Exactly. So it's, um, it's, it's definitely, you know, something that's the real deal. And, um, I'm so happy, man, that it's, uh, it's growing well for you. But before you know it, man, you're going to be offering up some frags of that boy. And I'll tell you. I think that the, you know if it keeps growing the way it's growing, I'm thinking it might have them. I might be able to release it in June. Nice. Yeah, I mean, nice. it, 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 we are growing acros like 
like weeds in the yard. I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, and, you know, and, and, and every one of these acros that you're going to see on this stream tonight are all grown under metal halides, mm. LEDs and T5s. Um, I've got this that, that, you know, grow out three Keith, you've seen it, you know, and where you, you saw the Euphelia farm in there, right? Yeah. Okay, well, if you saw Grow Out 3 now compared to when you saw it the last time, it'd blow your mind. I really? mean, it is getting so grown in. The Euphelia farm is like just – you can't see anything but Euphelia wall to wall, and they were all grown from single polyps on the tiles. Wow. The acros are just – taking off and doing exceptionally well i mean i had such issues with them because of employees putting frags in that weren't quarantined and i you know knock on some wood i haven't had to do much of anything to the system to the acros and I, it, it shows because the, the the flatworm problem we had was a nightmare and after um, my one employee was really getting into taking care of them and then after he left i continued it and knock on wood, I haven't seen one of those little bastards in my system over there for um, <laughs> what's the uh, four months now. Chris Carney says, "Keep them puddling." <laughs> um, Keep them puddling. What's uh, what's the protocol for pests, man? Acroweeding flatworms. What's the secret for you getting getting them out you know, there? Peppermint shrimp. Yep. Peppermint shrimp, and I dip uh, when if if we see. I haven't, like I said, I haven't seen or dipped any of those corals in there for, for months now. Um, and everything's been good. And I inspect them. We have a slack tide Tuesday on Tuesday, every week I turn off all the water pumps, except for the main return pumps. That way I can actually visually look at the corals without having to use a view box and I can, you know, spot out of the corner of my eye. Oh, something's not right with that acro over yeah. there. You know, with the view box, I'm like, I miss shit. You know, yeah. I miss something. Um, and when I turn the slack tide on and I can sit back and look at the corals and say, wow. Um, but what I did, what I did for the longest time is I, a slack tide. I just pick up certain corals that I knew were problem children. My Acropora efflorescence was a magnet for, for those, acro those, flatworms. Those usually are. And mine now, after I finally butchered it to the point of, it was literally, I don't know, a piece about this wide and about this long that was sticking up and then puddling. So there was no nooks, no crannies, no nothing for these little things to hide in <laughs> and then find a spot to lay an egg that you missed um, as it puddled from the continuously dipping it to get, make sure it was clean and the entire tile covered over. Um, and that was probably six months ago since I had seen one on that coral. It is now like, it looks like a monopora capricornis. I wish I'd have taken a picture of that coral. It looks like a Monty cap because it's scrolling and it's an acropora. It is so freaking cool looking. That's cool. Like I'm afraid that I don't want to cut the damn thing because I, I know I got to put it on the market at some point, but that's such an amazing growth <laughs> pattern. It's like if I cut it, I'm going to ruin the beauty of this yeah. beautiful piece of coral. Yeah. But you know, taking photos of it like that and people seeing that coral growing, looking like a monopora capricornis it's just going to sell the coral. I mean, if people don't like that just for the insanity of the weird growth pattern, e I'm sorry, but e flows are <laughs> so cool. I, I love e flows. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you don't, you don't see a lot of tanks with e flows in them for some reason. I think they're a hard coral because they are an attractant to the, uh, flatworm. So I think it's, 
a challenge for those things to be long lived because if if they if you got those freaking buggers in your system, man, they're, they're gonna be drawn right to that coral. Well, the nice thing is, is when I when I broke that colony down to just that little strip, I took every piece of it and I cleaned it, scrubbed it, got rid of any dead area, and just glued tissue and yep. the skeleton. And those are growing like weeds for me as well. So I have like six colonies of it right now. Um, whether I'll be able to ever market it and sell it, you know, as fast as it's growing lately, um, who knows? But, um, you know, I know if Jake was here, he'd be like, I need a piece. I, I sent him a piece of one we called the shadow caster years ago. And this one looks exactly like the shadow caster. And I unfortunately lost it. Jake lost his, I don't know how long ago when it was, but I think even though I don't have the original shadow caster, I'm calling this one the shadow caster because that's what it does. I mean, when it grows out, it casts a shadow on anything underneath of it. And it's just a, it's purple, it's green, it's, you know, What's yellow. It? It's ridiculous. Well, you know, in terms of the name game, there was, there was a couple of, um, you know, well-known classic E-flows out there, like the $500 E-flow. Then you got Greg Carroll's uh, E-flow, you know, and those are all just really kick-ass looking pieces and and you've got you know i think there's a kind of a some commonality there right i mean you've got a lot of a, 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 an e-flow that's in all its glory has got a lot of purple in it it's got some green in it so um yeah that's kind of like the uh the, the signature i think in terms of a classic e-flow that's really gets me jazzed is, uh, is that it, kind of coloration th this is becoming such a beautiful light purple pink on the tips the body is like it goes from purple pink with bright green polyps on just the axial coral lights and down maybe a half inch. And then as it goes back in, the polyps are kind of darker and it goes from that pinkish purple to a deeper purple to a green body. And then every single coral light sticking up in the colony is purple. It is just nice freaking beautiful um yeah, i love that. it's an old og classic right there i mean you know yeah. it's it's a lot of these reefers nowadays wouldn't even know what it is um and it's not you know something that's going to command a high dollar but it's just a an amazing amazing coral i mean it doesn't it's not about the money you make off it's about the the beauty of the piece itself and that's that's i've always loved eflos eflos um, and solitariensis as well, which is a very similar yeah. coral. It, it grows very similar, but doesn't have the solid plate. It actually branches and then refuses, which is pretty cool. And it's actually all that's been reclassified. So all these names we're telling you right now, it's all lies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had one of my topics uh, listed down here as coral taxonomy. I think that's uh, that's a whole uh, subject to get into in terms of the. Um... The, uh, the scientific names and all that stuff. Rogue Aquariums, thank you so much for that super chat. Great to see Chris on again as a comment. <laughs> thank you. You know, with taxonomy, just not to, not to interrupt you, but with taxonomy, I feel like I have been, I feel like I've not, not learned anything. Like everything I learned, I feel is giving, is gone because of all the acro species that I used to know and know well they're, they're, they're all wrong. It's all wrong. So explain you know? that dude. What, uh, why, why, why are you saying they're all wrong? It's just, they, um, in, in terms of the, the folks that originated the taxonomy, the, the scientific community is, is kind of come back and, and said, you know, 
this should be reclassified. What what's the the genesis in terms of um, you know your beef with the taxonomy? I don't have any beef. I think it's great that we're evolving and we're learning more about these things. You know, these beautiful animals. It's uh, what 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 I don't get is when I'm so used to hearing you know a perfect example. One of my favorite of all time corals, Acropora echinata. It is not Acropora echinata. It's now considered Acropora awi. Okay, everybody's favorite coral on an ac on the acro side, um, tenuous, is no longer tenuous. It's dude, you're blowing my mind now. So um, all the uh, all these tenuous out there are not tenuous, really. No, no, it's mm. by 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 fronds. By fronds, and who's and everybody who, loves? Who's making this call? Um, science. Science. Um, it's it's a lot of a lot of work being done by Russell. Is it, I think it's Russell Kelly with um, the Australian Marine Institute of Science. Um, he's been putting out all of the um, the uh, taxonomy books, and he updates them every year. And, um, you know, just like there's not a single Favia species found in the Indo-Pacific. Zero. The only Favia species that are known to exist now are only found in the Caribbean, in the Atlantic. Um, it's... it's <laughs> Acropora millipora is such a wide range of corals that we used to think were different, and they're mm -hmm. all DNA identical. Spathulata is no longer a, a species. It is Acropora millipora. Really? Acropora prostrata. Prostrata. No longer prostrata. prostrata. It's millipora. Well, that makes it easier. It does make it easier. <laughs> um, and it's just like, you know, we're talking about spathulata. I mean, I still call it a spathulata just so people can understand the difference between, you know, it, Australian Great Barrier Reef, Outer Reef uh, milliporas are what we used to consider spathulatas. I'm showing this uh, this spat that you... Uh, number one? Yeah, man, that thing is Mind-blowing. Pretty sick. Okay, you got to go to the second photo because that's the, that's the first picture we took of it back in June of 2022. And the second picture is from... Two days ago. Whoa. Right? Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Okay, and this is all metal halides, folks. So if people that say that metal halides don't give you good colors on corals, they have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> um, zero. Zero. Metal halides make your corals look better. And then when you put them under LEDs, then you see all the colors because you can't see the subtles. Um, it's it, it's mind-blowing what um, the combination of light that we use and then, of course, the husbandry that we use in our systems, it's amazing what we're able to pull from some of these corals because honestly, that coral didn't look like that when I got it in, when I brought it in. It, it didn't look anything like the first photo. Actually, it did. It looked more like the first photo. <laughs> but now it's like, okay, it's got red polyps. It's gold. It's orange. It's purple. It's blue. It's. That's crazy. Mind blowing. Is that, uh, that going to be a new release soon? It will, but unfortunately, because it's the. Outer Swains Reef Millipora, it doesn't grow a lot of branches. It just grows yeah. long branches and then yeah. starts shooting nubs up off. So if it's it's probably gonna be something I have to do in like small batch releases. You know, yeah. um I'm learning that there's a lot of corals I really need to do small batch releases for, even though we're, you know, um a wholesaler. Um it, 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 we we try to strive to have, you know, 80 to 100 fragments of each release that we put out because you know, we've got a, a, an email list that's, you know, 600, 600 stores deep, you know, and if, what if they all decide they want to order? Guess what? <laughs> Most of them aren't getting anything <laughs> when it comes to that particular coral. I mean, it happens to us yeah. all the time. You know, we released a, 
a Zoantha that we re-released. And we got Amanda got this absolutely stunning photo of it. It's called the Lorax. I, we didn't send you a photo of it. Um, but the ACI Lorax Zoantha has just become – I mean, every email I get, every text, every message I get, people are like, when, when's the Lorax coming back out? Um, we just sold 120 frags in like 30 minutes. <laughs> um, I had, did not anticipate that. So um, it's going to be probably three months, six months, maybe longer than that until I can have it available again. And that's the unfortunate thing about having um, the addiction to corals that I have. Because there's so much space here, but it's all taken up by so many different types of coral. You're going to have to start um, going up vertical. Shane from 24-7 Aquarium said to me when he was here a couple of weeks ago, he's like, go up. I'm like, dude, you come. You build it up. I'm not going up. No. Get a catwalk. You'll be good, dude. Get a catwalk. Yeah. I have, I use the oil rig floors for the, for the racks in my aquarium. So I guess I could put a bunch of that up there. Then it'll be raining on the people working underneath. Yeah. Well, you know what? So what that, uh, whatever happens, happens. Arturo reef. Thank you so much for that super chat. Uh, question is what, what does Chris think of KZ flatworm Stop and booster the KZ. I guess they have a booster um, product. Any uh, any experience with those products? Any thoughts? I have zero experience with any of that. Um, so I, I don't have any opinion on it whatsoever. Um, I heard good things. I've heard bad things. So that's pretty much the extent of my knowledge on both of those products. Um, it's It's for hobbyists and on a commercial scale. I looked into it. It was going to cost me like $1,000 for dosing my smallest system that had acros in. And that wasn't even enough to do the amount of treatments that were necessary. And I was like, yeah, not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I, I don't trust chemicals. And as you and I, as I've talked to you many times, Keith, I don't use chemicals whatsoever. I use except for the dips that I use. And then I try to use herbal dips and uh, oils and stuff like that and not use chemicals. I was a very, I was very bad at using bear for many years and learned that it didn't do any better than um, of all dips that are on the market. My favorite go-to is me. M-E coral dip. Oh, M-E coral dip. M-E coral dip. Um, Mark Esquinazzi has one out there. That. It's either that or Julian Sprung's Revive. You haven't the, uh, you haven't done the KCL thing yet? Potassium chloride? No, I have not. But I did get a bunch of potassium chloride in, and I thought about doing it. Um, but I can tell you that everybody that tells me all the things that they see from potassium chloride, guess what? I see those same things coming from the Me Dip or Julian Sprung's Revive. Dude, a 50-pound bag of potassium chloride costs like... 50 bucks and it's like a lifetime supply yeah i know <laughs> i know but uh that's the cheap, I, that's the I cheap rock salt type yeah, deal, right? yeah 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 for your water softener it works it does i've seen the worms disintegrate you know i mean it's just it it, it basically it's like uh, some sort of reverse osmosis type of thing where the water gets sucked out of the cells and the yeah. and they implode I don't think it works on red bugs. I don't think it, does it works not. on black it does, bugs. It does not. I, I I have a dip, my the anticipate. I still use that. Um, I did find that the anticipate does take care of stunting and, and removing it makes it easy to remove the uh, like the, the black bug, the um or the 
black bug, brown bug, white bug, whatever the heck you want to call it, the little copepod. Um, I've heard them called all kinds of different things. And I have seen those little guys, um, seen them on the coral, put them in the anticipate that Chris put out from Captivate. And I've then taken a look at that same coral under the scope and have not seen those little bastards on it. And I've done other dips and never had, they don't even bat an eyelash. They don't even care. It's like, they're like, okay, <laughs> trying to get me, <laughs> but I put them in with the, uh, the, um, the, the anticipate that stuff is a, is a, as an amazing dip, um, for me to use it. Like I dip when I dip, it's, it's not cheap. So that's why I go with the oils, um, for the most part. But when I need to really, really dig in and, and, and hit my corals hard, um, with certain things, which doesn't happen too often anymore. I use the anticipate. What I do know about flatworm stop is that it's very high in iodine. So be careful for those that are out there using it. Well, that's the other thing I don't understand is why they don't, have the, they with... don't have the ingredients on it either. Well, that's the, that's a problem for me. You know, I mean, most of these places aren't going to put the ingredients on because of course somebody's just going to knock it off. Yeah. I, I get that. Um, but honestly, what happened to 20 years ago when only dip available in the market was Lugol's? I mean, Keith, how many times did you use Lugol's solution? I mean, Lugol's yeah. knocks off damn near everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. It's iodine, I mean, right? I, yeah. I, I, when we're doing all of our corals, like if I'm fragmenting corals or um, especially when I'm fragmenting a wild colony, you know, I used to dip them in like one of my dips. And I'm like, what am I doing? Why are you even wasting your time dipping the coral before you cut the coral, then putting the coral in iodine? <laughs> because when I dip all my corals or cut all my – every fragment that we make goes into a, a – looks like green tea. Take iodine and put it into a bucket and make it look like green tea. And the coral sits in there for 15 minutes before we mount it onto the plugs. Mm -hmm. Well, that's enough time to knock off any parasite. You yep. know, because iodine is again, it's 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 nasty stuff. I mean, and why we as humans don't use iodine like we did when we were when I was a kid. My mom would break out the macrochrome and mm -hmm. stick it on your cut. You know, yeah. and, uh, what happened to that? Now we got all this other fancy bullshit on the market when we could be using iodine. Iodine is doesn't hurt the environment. Mm -hmm. Your body absorbs it. As a matter of fact, when you get lugols on your finger, it hurts, and you can't get it off. Oh yeah, it and stains. You go look yeah, at your yeah, hand, yeah, like yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you look at your hand like two hours later, if the stain's gone, guess what? Your body was deficient in iodine. Your body just sucked it up, and now you're not iodine deficient. Ooh, that's good. To Didn't know. know that one, did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> you learn something new every day. Lugol solution should be everybody's go-to dip, in my opinion, especially hobbyists. I mean, what are you dipping? You're not using a five-gallon bucket or a five-gallon container like I'm using or somebody that's on a commercial scale. For me to use iodine as my main dip would be too expensive. But right. for – Doing what we do, our small dips, you know, after we're done cutting a coral, I have to sterilize the coral because, you know, even though we sterilize our saws, I still don't trust that. You know, I, I want to make sure that, you know, when the coral gets cut, it goes into a solution where it can have the iodine to help sterilize that, that cut and, it, and they heal better. So it kills two birds with one stones for me. And, and hobbyists, you can go to the local fish store and buy a, a bottle of Lugol solution. I think you, the biggest you can buy is a 30 mil bottle. It's going to cost you 12 bucks. Yeah. It's going to last you forever. I mean, yeah. when talking about dipping and here people are spending all this money on these expensive, crazy dips when they're not any better than iodine in my opinion. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, ab absolutely. Total, uh, total agreement. I think, you know, a lot, a lot of things that we're uh, utilizing um, in terms of the, uh, the cost and, and the, uh, the prices that we're paying it, uh, it, it, yeah, it, some of that stuff is completely unnecessary and back in the old days, you know, go old school shit worked. It's all about marketing. It's all about money, you know, and that's, it doesn't have to be that way. And if, and if reefers dig into the old school ways, they'll realize that a lot of, a lot of reefers are getting hosed nowadays <laughs> i mean they're really getting hosed with a bunch of misinformation yeah. now not okay i can't say misinformation that's that's not true because the products that they're being pushed are the most profitable and they do work when it comes to dipping but they're also possibly bad for the environment in some cases um and i don't know i mean the potassium chloride works great iodine works great and those 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 um, oils, the fruit oils and stuff, they work amazing as well. Um, what what about? Uh, I, I saw somebody made a comment about wormwood. That uh, there's speculation that KZ flatworm stop is uh, similar to to wormwood, and I, I guess wormwood is a uh, is, is sounds like it's a more of an herbal type of um, remedy, where it's uh, where I'm not even exactly sure what's in. Uh, wormwood. I think it is. I right. think it is, but I don't, again, I don't know enough about it. I mean, I think that you say that, I think I do remember hearing that about it, but again, I, I don't know if that's factual or not. I couldn't tell yeah. you. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, um, um, you know, anecdotal type of, um, you know, stories out there. Like, uh, you know, I used, uh, wormwood. I made my own wormwood and I don't have any more aquarating flatworms. I use the KZ flatworm stop. I don't have any more, uh, flatworms, but then you've got like, uh, you know, the same number of people that are saying they did the, the, the same kind of treatments and they do have the flatworms still. So, you know, I think if somebody had kind of figured that out in terms of a, um, um, a, a type of treatment to knock out acroiding flatworms, that that would be something that somebody would have already come out with, made a lot of money with it. Right? Everybody would be doing it. Everybody would be doing it. You know, everybody would be copying that formula and all that stuff. I Remember the witch hazel days? Yeah. I mean, that wasn't even that long ago. I mean, no. what happened to that? Nobody talks about witch hazel anymore. Why? I mean, it, I know that it worked for some things, but is it because it's too harsh on the corals? I don't know. Now we're uh, <laughs> now we're getting into uh, RTN, STN, and all that stuff. You know, it's uh, yeah. yeah. I I think that we caused the RTN and STN. It's the reefers themselves. Yeah. I think yeah. it has nothing to do with. It's, it's, it's all in how we, our, our husbandry skills and what we do to our aquariums. Are we still going to have RTN even if we are really good at what we do? Yes. But I think a lot of the RTN and STN is a hundred percent, you know, our fault. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you can't blame it on anybody, but the person taking care of the aquarium. And absolutely. If that can't be accepted, then please just sell your tank. <laughs> <laughs> Reef Keeper says I used flatworm stop for over two years and it didn't do shit for aggravating flatworms. Laugh out loud. Not to mention it's expensive. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's why I didn't use it. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was it? Oh, you know, so let me. Uh, you you guys provided me a video that I want to show of the uh, some of the coral flats that you guys guys have on the, uh, the farm and and you know while we're looking at that there was a question. I think before the live stream started that somebody wanted to know more about 
your uh, thoughts on flow and how you have uh, you know all the flow set up. I mean, obviously you, you you've got a commercial operation going, so you don't have any individual aquariums here. These are large. Um, uh, what do you, what thousand would you, gallons, thousand gallon systems, and and all that stuff. But tanks. Talk, talk to us about um, flow, Chris. In terms of your uh, philosophy, is just uh, more random type of flow. Is that the uh, the ticket? As random as you can get it to be. Con, you know, consistent flow doesn't happen in the ocean, and you know, the ocean is a washing machine, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's going to go in every direction. All all different dude, times. these corals are freaking insane. By the way, I'm just watching this video. It's like <laughs> ridiculous. The video is blowing my mind. It's I know, right? Ridiculous. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> flow is so important, you know, and and I I hear all these. You know, there's a lot of there's I think there's a lot of misinformation that goes out about certain corals and flow. Um, you know, favias, for for example. Fabites. I, I said Fabias because that's what everybody knows. If I started saying by the real Latin names, Dipsastria and, and stuff like that, people are like, oh, what is he talking about? So Fabia is now Dipsastria. Um, you know, you're confusing me, man. I'll tell you, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I came a long way with scientific names, but I'm gonna have to throw all that out. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. Um, <laughs> but you know, so like, people say that Fabias need moderate flow. Who says that? You know, do, do they know exactly where these these animals are collected from the reef? Because when I've seen them in the wild, they're right on the freaking wave crashing on the on the ocean yeah. you know, from the from, at the reef crest. You know, they're getting hammered with a lot of flow. They can handle as much flow as a, as any SPS coral that we have can handle. Um, and, and the same thing goes with say, um, uh, uh, like uh, Paragoniastria, australiensis. You know, they, they can handle tons of flow and, you know, micro lords or acan lords, micro lords. I've talked to my divers that said at low tide, they're out there on their hands and knees where the waves are coming in, collecting the most beautiful ones because they're in heavy wave action. So for people to say they need moderate flow, where do they get the information from? They can handle more flow than you could possibly imagine. We can't give them enough flow. Um, and, and you know certain corals like fleshy corals like a, like a torch coral, um, you know all the fimbrophilias, all the euphilias, all the catalophilias, the, um, the plerogyras, the real fleshy flowy corals. You know they're the ones that need the moderate flow, but most of the other stuff can handle very heavy flow. Um, you know chalices. You know they 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 come from deep water. People wouldn't think that they would get a lot of flow, but a lot of those things are collected, you know, especially the really vibrant ones like the orange Goku type chalices. They're growing on a reef slope or a reef wall and they're getting upwellings and those upwellings, we can't recreate that in captivity. Um, so they can handle tons of flow. So I recommend that you observe your corals when you're talking about flow. If your corals are, if you want to see corals more extended and fluffy and open, it's not going to hurt them to be in lower flow than what they are used to in the wild because, you know, you can't go and you can't go to the wild out in the ocean and see a, a micro lord trumpet out like it, uh, you know, like somebody's, you know, playing a trumpet. I mean, seriously, like they get this big around and they extend this far off their skeleton and they are skinny at the bottom and trumpet it out at the top. You don't see that in the wild. That's something that we can that we have the privilege of being able to do by having them in moderate flow in our aquarium, but they can handle the heavy flow and actually 
personally, they look better when they're not blown up like a balloon yeah. because then you see all the intense colors more concentrated in the tissue versus being blown up and yeah. not as not allowing them to be them to be as intense. So I keep acroporas with all my LPS corals, with all my soft corals. And soft corals actually love as much flow as any SPS coral because mm. um, most of those corals come from snorkeling depth. You know, they're getting heavy water, heavy wave action. Um, so again, I say this about chemistry. I say this about flow and light. Observe your corals. Your corals will tell you if they're happy. If they don't have enough flow on them, they're not going to be, you're, you're not going to see them either, ex, you know, they're either going to extend really far because they're not getting enough flow or they're going to be really shrunken in. But if they're growing and they're vibrant and they look good, they're fine. So play with it. What? Uh, I can't. Go ahead. I said there's no one remedy for any particular reef aquarium. They're all different. You know, so how you want your flow is entirely up to you and observing your corals. If you put a wave pump in and you think your corals look great, leave it alone. If you put a wave pump in and you say, you know what, things just don't look as good, you know, add another wave pump to it. As your corals grow out, you're going to have to add more flow anyhow because they're going to disrupt the flow. So that's the biggest thing that people don't even realize. You know, as acros and other bigger colonies get bigger and bigger and bigger, that flow pattern has been completely disrupted. And over time, those big corals that have grown out will die inside because they aren't getting any water flow back into them. So you have to just observe everything and and, and you'll know when it's time to add more flow or if you have too much flow on a particular coral. What's your uh, go-to for um... – for a flow pump in your uh, tanks, your Man, systems. I I love my closed loops, but it's just not enough. That's only sixty five hundred gallons an hour. Um, then we got in all of those tanks. There's one big sixty five hundred gallon an hour return pump for each thousand gallon tank. Um, and then I've got uh, the Gyre two eighty series, which they move a massive amount of water. Yeah. Um, I love them, but I hate them. They're, They're tough to my... clean. I got it down to a science now. Yeah. So I can clean one in about 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, but I clean them and they don't fucking work. I mean, that's the problem. That's what I, you know, that's like my beef, man. It's like you take them apart, you clean them. All right, good. You put them back together and you screw something up. And something's <laughs> binding with something. And if they're not working the way they should, you know, it's frustrating they, to me. But they, they can be a pain in the ass. And that's why nobody else is allowed to touch them but me. Because every time anybody else gets their hands on them, they get fucked up. And it's just like, you know, it, it, it's, you know, I'm done with it. So I, I have about 20 gyries that were soaking in muratic acid today because we're closed for the year. Um, last year was our last week was our last week to do business for the year. But this week, because we are short, we've been short staffed, we are cleaning the entire place. So I've got, oh, only the wild systems, all the gyres are out. They were in muratic acid today. Now I get to go tomorrow and clean them off better or thoroughly after we spray them off with the hose. And then I'm going to take them apart, take out the, you know, bad bearings and this and that. And I've got a pile. I, I've got a whole box, two, no, three boxes full of freaking parts there's, to fix there's, the gyres. There's too many moving parts. <laughs> there's just too many moving parts. That's the problem. <laughs> it is. So <laughs> Jake turned me on to the Voyager HP tents. 
that is my newest like love that pump that (laughs) pump moves so much water it is so simple it's so easy to clean and it moves okay one of the gyres moves about nine thousand gallons an hour at 100 percent one of the Voyager HP-10s moves about 4,000. So the cost for two Voyager HP-10s versus one gyre, I was like, never buy another gyre again. I'll just replace it with two Voyager HP-10s. And then I was like, well, the power cords aren't long enough. So I had to call Steve Berlin up and be like, hey, buddy, um, I love your Voyagers, but you got to get me some bigger power cords. He's like, what do you need? I'm like 15-foot <laughs> power cords. He's like 15 foot. I'm like, just, you'll understand when you come to my place. So he ordered, you know, he talks to the the people in Italy and then, and they ordered them or they, they made me specifically for ACI. It's the ACI version of the, of the Voyager HP 10. They come with 15 foot power cords with the ground and everything. And I've got those things going in everywhere. I think we've got probably 40 of them now on top of the 50 gyres. Well, you know, I, um, I'm a big fan of the MP40s and the MP60s from uh, Ecotech, and yes, they are a sponsor. They did not provide me my it's uh, all good. My, my recirculating pumps, but uh, <laughs> I uh, I dig them, man, and I got them all on the gyre mode pretty much, and uh, it works. But you know, listen, it's good to have options. It's good to um, I just have a little pet peeve of cleaning those freaking gyres, man. It's just uh... I'm with you, man. I'm completely <laughs> with you. But you know, the, I, I tell you what, the Voyager HP10s. I'm sorry. The um, what did you? What do you have? The, the Egotech uh, MP40s, MP60s, MP40s, 60s, and the 10s. You know, they they are really good pumps for hobbyists. Um, yes. I I tried the um, MP40s and the MP60s. I bought four of each when I was in my house in my garage, and um, I set these things properly for the thickness of my um, and, and literally. I, I'm cursed because they, they didn't last but a couple of months. And then I got furious because they told me that it was my fault was the reason why they didn't work. And I said, I just dropped $1,500 on two of your freaking pumps. I said, they're both broken and you're not going to replace the wet side. And that's when I boycotted Ecotech after that. Now, things have changed and I have a better relationship with the people that are there, which is perfectly fine. But um, I just won't go back to them because um, they're a hobbyist. They're for hobbyists. They're not for a commercial application. The Voyager HP-10s, they're built like brick shit houses. They're meant to be for a commercial application. And I've got the new Acro, 1,000-gallon Acro tank is going to have like 16 of them in it. Wow. Yeah, Josh from uh, Clearwater says the uh, Voyagers, and he also says random flow generators too. Um, oh yes, I use those things. You know, Antonio's um, RFGs. I yeah. have them on all my return lines, all my closed loops. I gotta try they're, those. They've been never, good. I never tried those. Um, they're nice. Alex Korea, Tunzi, Tunzi pumps are the best. Period. <laughs> I used to use Tunzi. Oh geez. Yeah, those. Uh, can you still buy those? I, 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 you can. Yeah, you can. you can. Yeah. I actually, I said the same exact words came out of my mouth a couple of months ago. The same thing you said. Can you still buy Tunzi's here in the U.S.? <laughs> and then I Googled it, and I'm like, okay, you can still buy them. But there's only a couple of places that even have them anymore. Unfortunately, the marketing for Ecotech took over, which is you know good on them. Good yeah. on them. They, they, yeah. they cornered the market on them because they are good pumps for hobbyists. I, 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 won't, I can't knock that. Um, all right, dude. Let's, let's talk more about corals because we've got 
a uh, a ton of pictures that uh, you passed along. Pink Panther. All right, so yeah, baby. Let's look at the um, the original Pink Panther mother. Wow. So uh, what kind of <laughs> what kind of coral is the Pink Panther, dude? And uh, what's the story behind it? We have no idea on the species. Never were able to figure it out. Um, it the colony that you see there, um, and then the fragment that I thank you for sending back to me because I lost my colony back at Ian a little over a year ago. Yeah, and I was yeah, devastated you, by that. I got a, I got a frag from you. Yeah, and it uh, it grew up into a nice little mini colony, and I I sent you the first frag I ever uh, took from that little mini colony. And I thank you for that because um, if not, I wouldn't have my baby back in, in. It's one of my favorite acros. As a matter of fact, this acro it, it it means so much to me because of what happened to Jake when he saw it when he was here in 2019. This coral made him do a, a video of the ACI farm because he just was so mesmerized by the beauty, the beauty and the growth pattern of the pink panther. Um, it really is a unique growth. I call it the tabling bottle brush. Yes. Because as you notice that too on yours, yeah. as yours is growing yeah. out, real, yeah. real super thin branches yeah. on the interior. Yeah. The coral lights extend pretty far. And they're smooth. It's like a smoothie tabling mm -hmm. bottle brush type acro. Yeah, it's cool. Um, and I get them in very rarely, but I don't get them pink like the Pink Panther. I get them in on they're 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 only found from what I know from the outer reefs of the Australian Great Barrier Reef. The Swains Reef is where my main um, supplier collects them from. And when he sees it, of course, he always collects that species because he knows I love that coral. But Hands down, one of the most intense colored pink and red acros. I mean, it's more pink than anything, but the polyps do get bright red on it, and it's just like <laughs> blows your mind. It's it's um it's one of my favorite. Mine mine started um well yeah I had a whole um, hydrogen peroxide incident that um, brown browned out my colony, but it's coming back, returning to its uh, original glory, which is It'll freaking awesome. Yeah. All right, um, I love Millie's, and this thing is sick, man. This is from Dan Riggle. Is that the, uh, the yeah the Sunset Millie? Dan Riggle, um, he he. It's not a sunset. What did he call it? Um, it's a Jason Fox coral, is what he told me. Oh, is that but, the? Um, uh, no, not not um, Jason Fox Solar Flare. Solar Flare. Yeah. Okay. This is this is the ACI version of the solar flare okay. but it came from lineage solar flare that that um dan riggle was has been has been growing out um i got frags from him about a year ago a little over a year ago as well about the same time you sent me a bunch of frags um and um i sent this photo to him when a man and i were going through the photos today i sent the photo to him and i said dan i'm like damn it i can't remember what the name of this freaking millie is he's like is that the solar flare? He's like, where did all that orange come from? He's like, that's the one I sent you. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, he's like, my goodness. He's like, that thing has gotten insane. He's like, what are you doing to it? And I'm like, the power of meadow halides, brother. And he's like, meadow halides are the best, man. He's like, and I need to get back into them. But that's the Jason Fox solar flare. Dan got it from Jason, grew it out. 
and he's distributed many frags of it out to the reefing community. And he sent me two really nice fragments of it. And um, that's what it looks like in my system. Um, it's, it's kick ass. I mean, it's that, that is a, and there's a, I, I saw somebody, a couple of people um, drop the name uh, Acid Trip. So there's um, Rocky Mountain Frags, the RMF Acid Trip. And I've got that um, coral. But mine is, yeah, mine is more of a branching. It's, 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 um, it, it, um, it's got longer branches. So it's not, the, uh, the branches are not as dense as that. It's weird. Yeah. And maybe it's just because of the, uh, the flow that's going on in my, uh, in the display tank where I have that colony. But, uh, you know, I also have the, um, the ASD rainbow Millie, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot, yep. there's a lot of these, uh, you know, rainbow Millies out there and, I, I love them all. I mean, I, I, I yeah. hoard every freaking rainbow Millie, sunset Millie that I can find because I think they're just gorgeous. I, I think you're, I agree with you 100%. And I'm actually um, just talked to my one supplier and I said, I need a true blue Millie. I used to have one that we called the King Tut. Dude, you don't and have it, the, uh, you don't have the um, Palmers? I do not. I never sent you the Palmer's Blue Mill. Nope. Oh. I don't have the Palmer's Blue. But I wish I could that's dig a the true, photo That's out. a true Blue Millie. Yeah, it is. And I want, I want it for the farm. I had one that I got in from Vincent Chales oh, seven, eight years ago, maybe nine years ago, that was just drop-dead gorgeous. It came in beautiful bright blue with just like 24 karat gold polyps on it with one tentacle being white on the polyp, the rest of them being gold. And as we grew it out, I called it the King Tut. <laughs> and when we launched it, it went, I mean, it was gone fast. And then Hurricane Irma wiped out that colony. Rats. And then I asked everybody that I sent that coral to if they still had it. I don't know which one it is. I don't know. I don't know. That's the problem. You know, I can take the time two to three years to grow a beautiful coral out. that's got lineage to ACI from the wild and I can send it out with the name on it and people won't even use it, but people will put an ORA name on everything because it came from ORA. Yeah. And that's the most frustrating thing for me because I put a lot of time and effort into farming these corals and unique pieces and people don't even put the name on it that, that it deserves because we lineage farmed it. And you know, that's the problem with the industry. The industry is, yes, it is. is broken. Yeah. It it's is. got a lot of issues. Everybody's all about themselves and not about, you know, collaborating. And, you know, I could go on a rant about that, but we don't need to do that because I might piss some people off. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it break it all down. You know, the, we, we're a true coral farm. We're not just a fly by night, you know, person that's, you know, putting corals out. We, we put time shot. and effort into yeah. it. If we put a name on a coral, there's a reason behind the name on the coral. And when you go to our website, you can find the reason behind the name on that coral. And it just disgusts me that, you know, everybody cares about themselves now and nobody cares about true lineage and true hard work and dedication to this industry. And that's what I put to it. It's what you put into it. But most people, all they care about is, oh, I got this and it's absolutely gorgeous. We're going to put this name onto it and we're going to market it our way so we can make our money. Yeah. It's all about dollars. It's not about anything but that. Okay, I'm done. Rant over. 
Go on, please. <laughs> Next coral. <laughs> Next coral. Oh, we already uh, saw the Jacksons. Chameleon. Talk to us about the chameleon, man. Oh, my man. gosh. Well, you got two photos of the chameleon. I mean, I think yeah. we talked about the chameleon back in what? Was that in June, June this year? Yeah, June. It doesn't look the same, does it? So here's one photo, and here's – yeah. So that one's like – the first one was like more – a lot of purple, and this one's like a lot, got a lot of green in it. It Sometimes it has a lot of orange in it. Really? Like it, – it, it, that's why I coined the name chameleon on it. Like literally I could have this thing in June of next year and it could have more orange and green and purple in it. And you'd be like, that's not the same coral. Like, have, you, it is. have you been able to correlate uh, anything in terms of the ICP testing you, you do on a weekly basis? Keith, those two colonies are only eight inches apart. Oh, really? Oh, yes. so, okay. So it's two different colonies. That's two different colonies of the same coral. And they look of the completely, same exact coral. And they look completely different. Yes. Uh, okay, I thought that was over time. No, that is wow. that is both of those corals that was taken a couple of days ago. That is a true chameleon. That's crazy, it is, right? man. That's freaking crazy. Usually you'll see now, that like in a different system or something or different lighting or yeah. some sort of conditions, but it's the same. Wow. Same water quality, virtually the same flow. I mean, the only thing that might be different is – one of them is directly under an LED and one of them is directly under a metal halide, but they still get the metal halide and the, and the LED, the coral care fixtures that I have. It could, you know, I haven't even, I didn't, I should have looked at that today before I left so I could have mm. clarified, but I mean, it very well could be that, you know, because they're only eight inches apart and we have going down our, over our acros, we have metal halide, coral care, metal halide, coral care, the whole way down the full 12 foot, you know? So it could be the fact that one's directly under an LED and one's directly under a metal halide or hell, they could be splitting the LED and the metal halide for all I know, each of them, but still look completely different. And um, that's why I love coral so much, man. I mean, next thing you know, we're going to have something called Shapeshifter or something like that. <laughs> it's the demigod. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, beautiful coral. Um, and now that I've got two colonies of it that are good – I sent you a picture of the one colony back in June that we talked about. That's the first photo. That coral turned completely brown back about three months ago. And I'm going, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and then all of a sudden it just started getting all of its color back in. And then I was like, well, the other one stayed green with purple right. and it hasn't changed. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next six months, whether they continue to change colors on a regular basis, going from this color to that color, back to this color, back to that color. It's right, pretty I, wild. Have you released that coral yet? Never. Never. But now I've got two colonies of it. But the problem is, is I'm trying to figure out if I release it, are people going to be like, that's not the chameleon that I saw the photo. I'm like, well, it's because it's a chameleon. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to think I'm sending them just any old random fragment. And that's... You know, uh, it's it's honestly it's a coral that people, I, I think collectors need to get their hands on because they can really see the true beauty of it and and what it actually does, um, and maybe it's just my systems that it does this changing of color. Maybe when somebody else gets it, it'll actually hold something. I I don't know, but I don't do anything different. My, my ICP tests come back damn near identical from week to week, so <laughs> it is what it is. Zero, Very cool coral. Zero two Charlie, thank you so much for that super chat. Appreciate it. Um, species, chameleon. I have no clue. No clue. I'm lost. 
with it. Wow. I honestly couldn't tell you. I couldn't even tell you what I thought it was just because it's got a really weird color pattern. I know where it came from. It came from Australia, okay. but that's all I can tell you. Um, and the fact that it is kind of a shapeshifter now that I think about it because, you know, the branches, if you look at it closely, it's irregular in its growth. Yeah. I, I Just like it's irregular in its color. I I, uh, I agree. I mean, you're a you're hundred times better than me in terms of scientific names. and I would have no guess in terms of what that would be. I mean, I'm going to look at it close here. It's so damn shaggy too. It's it's hard to see the coral lights. I have to see it when it really is 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 um, sucked in. Actually, there there's not a bad picture of it. It's, I, I don't know. That's, I mean, it could uh, be Acropora eye for all I know. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's probably as good a guess as any. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to this no name tenuous, which is not really a tenuous. It is. I thought there's no more uh, tenuous. Oh no, it's bifrons. Right. <laughs> no, 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 it's not bifrons. Yeah, it's bifrons. Acapora B I R F. Bifrons. O N S. Bifrons. Acapora bifrons is now Acapora tenuous. Um, yeah, look at that thing. It's like. So that's bizarre because I see right? polyps that are different colors than other polyps. <laughs> Usually you kind of got like, you know, polyps that are uniform in terms of their coloration, but it's like you go from, that's bizarre, dude. Dude, it's like, it's like somebody, I don't know. It's like, you know, we'll call it the bullet hole or something. <laughs> <laughs> the bullet hole. It's got, it's got, it's, it's been shot like 15 times in one branch. <laughs> so it's bleeding right there. I don't know. I mean, what do you call something like that? That's just ridiculous. Is that something you got in uh, somewhat recently? No. Um, as you can see, it's on um, the two inch tile that I glued it to is now glued to a three inch tile. Um, I would have to say I put that coral on the farm right about the same time you sent me the frags in November of last year. So uh -huh. it's probably, you know, uh, September, October, November, December, I put that coral on the farm. So it's only probably in the system a year, but it's not nearly as big as um, – there's not as many branches as what your Jackson's has. Jackson's, on it. But that yeah. coral has been in captivity for so damn long. Yeah. I would expect that the coral to grow faster. This was a wild piece. <clears throat> I – I honestly, I'm normally really good with where these corals came from, and I don't remember where I got that coral from, and that bothers me because now my story's screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike Berry says, Bifaria, Bifaria, is that Bifaria, the, Bifaria, Bif and thank you. Bifrons is a turb turbinaria. You're right. It is Bifaria. Okay, so that's the new tenuous. Yes. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm horrible with, with Latin names until I get it instilled in my brain. Like Bifrons came to my, my mind, but I love Turbinaria Bifrons. <laughs> All right. So speaking it, of another um, bi Bifaria, the Cherry Bomb. Good the, Lord. The TGC Cherry Bomb. That's the frag that grew up from the one that I sent you last November, uh, 13 yes. months ago, 2002. Right. Now, does yours have yellow on the polyps like that one? <laughs> what I, the hell is that? I don't know, man. I mean, I'd have to look much closer to uh, this. <laughs> but uh, that, that's a kick-ass uh, bifaria. 
By Ferrier, yes. <laughs> I, I'm going to have is. a hard time getting used to Acropora by Ferrier. No longer tenuous. <laughs> Formerly tenuous, we should say. <laughs> so that's uh, that's been doing, looks like it's been doing very well in your. I swear uh, it's morphing. I mean, I've never seen a cherry bomb with yellow base on the polyps. Um, I've yes. seen them where they're just solid red like that, but. I've got this other one. I wish that Amanda would. I mean, I wish that the photo Amanda took would have come out better because I have one that I'm going to end up calling the nuclear cherry bomb, because this red in the polyps is just mind blowing yeah. on the on this cherry bomb. This nuclear cherry bomb that I'm talking about makes that look like a piece of poo you just grabbed out of the toilet. <laughs> I mean, it's it's axial coralites have bright green polyps. The blue and then the polyps that are in the growth tips hardly ever come out just like this one. But then the red, it's like you got to put sunglasses on. It like blinds you. What, it's that shiny and shimmery red. What uh, what kind of lighting is on, is that under? Is that halides? Halides and T5s and coral cares. Yeah. It's all I use, man. <laughs> <laughs> stick with it's what just, works. Stick with what works. Um, yeah, it's – and, and – I'm learning that metal halide bulbs don't mean shit. Explain the name it. brands. Oh, radion or radium Ra versus radium. versus Ushio twenties versus you know the champion lighting back in the day. What one was that one called? The Hamilton twenty case. Yeah, it don't matter. I mean, I'm using a smorgasbord of bulbs over this system, and I've got cherry bomb down here, cherry bomb up here. I've got. I got stuff all over the place, like fragments that I've taken off of the original pieces and stuff. And I got the Megachrome, Geisman Megachrome 22Ks. Yeah, yeah, I used those a long time ago. Those bulbs are freaking awesome. They've got a lot of punch to them. And then it comes back to the 20K versus 10K versus 12K. Listen, um, you're going to look at a coral here coming up here in a few minutes. The people say 10K lights make your corals brown. Where do you see this coral coming up here? It'll make your it'll make everybody's head on here go <laughs> because it is one of the most insane corals I have on my farm right now, and um, you probably know which one I'm talking about. It's coming they're, up. They're all like kick ass to me, but uh, champ, this, champion lighting supply blue line. He's talking about blue line. Blue uh, line. Blue yes. Line, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Ball ballast. Blue line ballast. Blue line bulbs, bulbs too. too. Yeah. But that, but what my point being is, is a metal halide being a 20K, a 14K, 12K, 10K, 65K, they all produce these colors. Yes. They all produce these colors. No matter what anybody in this industry will tell you, they will tell you what they want you to hear just to sell you a product. A 65K metal halide is what Greg Scheimer used to grow his acros from the 1970s all the way up until he passed away. You know, Julian Sprung will tell you straight up, 65K metal halides are pretty badass and they make your corals look amazing. I've never seen um, a tricolor Acropora look better than Greg Scheimer's OG Acropora Valida from Fiji. That was just the most insane deep purple with green polyps. So I think um, I think I asked Jake this question one of the times I had him on. I said, all right, so Jake, if you could pick the best lighting possible for Acropora SPS, what would that be? And uh, somebody would have to fact check Iwasaki me on this, 65. but I, th I believe he said Iwasaki 6500K uh, yes, metal halides. 
we he was getting ready to put a tank up with an Iwasaki 65 oh, really? K 400 over it. Yes, we talked about it all the time. It's unfortunate that he wasn't was unable to, to do that. Um, I have some Iwasaki 65 K sitting here that I'm waiting for the right. Well, my acro system with thousand gallon acro tank is not running yet, and there's two metal halide fixtures that don't have bulbs in yet, and I haven't decided whether I'm putting the 65 Ks in there or not. Do it, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to. As a matter of fact, if Todd's watching, I think he is champion lighting. I got those 10K 400 watt HQIs. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. Do they ever, they're the yellowest bulb out there, but I will tell you what I'm growing my spawned baby torch underneath that light. And I just, for shits and giggles, check the par level on that torch coral. And it's like the best holy grail I've ever seen. Kevin Berta from Top Shelf saw it the other day. He's like, what the hell? I'm like, yeah, that grew. That was a spawn. But it is getting cooked by this freaking 10K 400 watt. Um, I don't even remember what brand or what, what name went on, was on those 400 watt HQIs. Todd probably knows. Um, man, talk about color. I'm getting some of the most insane colors out of my Tropic Thunder Monopora, all of my acros that are growing underneath there. I got a yellow, um, pronounce it again for me, by, 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 by. Oh, uh, by Feria. <laughs> by Feria. <laughs> that is just blowing my mind because it was just a yellow by Feria or tenuous. And all of a sudden with this bulb, all of a sudden uh, the, the polyps turned like a fire engine red on it. And I'm going, <laughs> that's a, that's a bifaria or it's a tenuous. Um, yeah. It, it's pretty wicked. I, I, I don't care. I, metal halides till I die. Yeah. So and I don't uh, care what color. Uh, Lothario Bowie, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, Chris, how much longer do you think you'll be using metal halides seeing that they're getting hard to find? And would you switch over to full LEDs? <laughs> I just said it till the day I die and I'm accurate and I'm growing corals. I will always use metal halides. Um, Tulio from Reef Bright just made a run of 10K, 15K, thousand waters, which is 300 bulbs each. Um, 10K, 20K, 15K, 12K, of 400 watt, 250 watts. So there's an endless supply of metal halide bulbs at my fingertips. Plus, I've got probably 400 in stock now. So <laughs> if I run out of metal halide bulbs on the 400 watt bulb side before I die, um, I'd be surprised because I don't run that many of them. I think it's like 12. So between 300 of them, that's um, once a year. I got about 25 years, maybe 30 years with the metal halides on the 400 watt side, ready to go. So that should take me to my death. <laughs> uh, well, you know, let's hope you're uh, going to be uh, living a little bit longer than that, man. But uh... yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. But yeah, and I, I will never stop using metal halides. If they ban them, I will be the outlaw that still uses them. You'll be the the black market for uh, metal halide bulbs. Is that they'll have to, they'll have to come and put me in jail to stop using them because the people that think that LEDs are going to save the world, the LEDs are going to kill the world. And people don't understand that. They literally are killing the world. We all need red light therapy all of a sudden. Why is that? No incandescent lights and no fluorescent tubes. All of a sudden, doctors are making millions of dollars a year on red on red light therapy. Wake up, people. This green push is a lie. It doesn't help us. It kills us. Well, we're not, <laughs> we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring it no, up. No, no, that's fine. That's the first I've heard of it. <laughs> I just heard about it too. Until you know, we're talking about it. We were just oh, like, really? wow, are you kidding me? Offices now don't have 
anything but LEDs in them, then all these people need red light therapy because they're vitamin deficient. What is maybe red, infrared? What, in the, what is red light therapy? I don't know. You got to look <laughs> it up. Like I, I totally yeah, and I were talking about Google it. it. Doctors are <laughs> doctors are doing red light therapy for people that are defi- vitamin deficient. It's because they're not getting in the sun enough, oh. and they used to get red light therapy from incandescent bulbs and fluorescent tubes. But now all these oh. companies they work at switched out the LEDs. They're not getting true red spectrum. Get outdoors, people. Get outdoors <laughs> as much as you can. Yeah. That sun is super important. We yeah. can't block it. Yeah, we'll all die. <laughs> Sturgis Reef, put on your tin foil hats, people. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um. All right, so dude. What's go, what's next? Uh, we got a we got a no name coral here. Uh, number number eight. number eight. What the hell oh. is this, dude? What Stupid what do you got? Nice. What do you got going on there? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm loving this coral. I've been looking at this coral and drooling over this coral for probably a year, and I've been just watching it get better and better and better. And actually, this photo is amazing, but if you saw it in person, those polyps are yellow like literally yellow and the, the the one long polyp on it is white. Oh really? It was it's a difficult core to photograph because of all the contrast and the color but man I, it's long and lanky branches. I love um the combination of purple and yellow. That's kind of like one of my favorites and I'm a big fan of tricolors. Obviously that's yes. not a tricolor but um it's got that It's a wookie. It's a wookie. <laughs> that's a wookie it's like Chewbacca oh <laughs> yeah that's one hairy that's one hairy dude right there yeah Keith you need a piece of this alright I'll sign up for that <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't broken it yet like I've been oh, watching really? it just to try and see what it's going to do and it finally the interior branches finally started growing on it and you know I know better I shouldn't let a coral just grow and grow and grow if I want it to grow faster what do you have to do stab it yeah, I tried your stabbing method once. It actually Works. worked. Works well. Stabbing to promote branch growth. Stop encrustation. We took a picture of this of the acro that I stabbed last. You would never even know it. Like we had a before picture and we had an after picture. But unfortunately, I stabbed it and it didn't have any of these annoying freaking vermitid snails in it. And of course, everywhere I stabbed it, vermitid started to grow. And anybody that has vermitid snails in their tank, just they're a nightmare. They're a pain in the rear end. I'm gonna, I'm gonna eradicate mine before they go into the new farm. But I took, a, we took the photo of it because it has turned into this amazing colony. And I looked at it and I'm like, are you kidding me? Was all that growth really vermitid? And then I looked at it and I'm like, that's not a polyp. Look at it closely, and you can see the little V. <laughs> and a little mushroom. I'm like, I can't put that up there. What's your so, uh, What's your method to get rid of them? I have a mectin. You're gonna keep play that close to the vest there. Is that? Uh... What's that? Oh no, I have a mectin. Oh, I'm. Sorry. <laughs> I have a mectin. I, what What is that? I Iver Ivermectin. Ivermectin. It's thing, Ivermectin. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a. Uh, a pig dewormer. It's the thing they use. It's um, actually it was something that they used that was supposedly would take care of COVID too back in back during COVID. But um, the, people were going and using ivermectin for whatever reason. But ivermectin you can buy it uh, like an equine store too. It's for horses, um, cattle. Um, it's usually in an oil base 
um, but you can get it in a in a base that you can use in as a dip. You cannot put this in your aquarium. I just said ivermectin, oh, people. It's a, it's a Please it's do a, not use this as something you put in your aquarium. <laughs> <laughs> I see heartworm, horse dewormer. Yes. What's the dose? Um, all right, so let's let's be clear. This is not something that you can uh, dose to your tank. This is a no. dip. And it and it's something that I've only done three or four times, and I honestly don't have the dosage for the amount of water I'm using in my head off the top of, off the top of my head. I have it written down on the bottle, so I didn't forget it. Um, but it is um, we use it, uh, it was for an hour bath. But here's the thing that most people aren't going to like about it. Um, well, first of all, you definitely have to wear gloves rubber gloves. You don't want this stuff getting on your skin. It is a top, the stuff that I got is a topical. It will absorb into your skin. Most of it will absorb into your skin mm. and you don't want that. Um, but it is, uh, something that you, um, like this, this Acropora that I stabbed that got these vermitids in this one particular section. It was a section about that big that all the new growth was, you can see vermitids. It was growing, but the vermin snail was growing and the acro was growing with it. And it just didn't look like the branches that were growing naturally. And that's when I realized that it was vermin in it. But you have to literally expose the vermin because if you put it in ivermectin in this dip, the snail just bloop, puts a cap on top of his home oh. and blocks the ivermectin from ever getting in there and killing him. So you have to expose it. So you have to either break off the tip where the, where the cap would be. So that the worm can be exposed and then literally within 20 minutes, you see these worms just shooting out of the, wow. out of the uh, coral. Um, it was kind of mind-blowing when I first did it because <laughs> I didn't realize how many actually uh, were there. But I broke a lot of tips off just to make sure I was exposing as much area as possible. And that coral then started growing naturally and didn't have any more of these little bastards in it any, you know, uh, from there on out. Will they come back? Of course they will. I have them. There's nothing I can do about it. They're yeah. not going to go away. Um, there's no full tank treatment, so it is what it is. Uh, so some people like to use uh, or, or say bumblebee snails. Uh, others say coral snow. You're um, not uh, convinced that those are going to be a good way to eradicate them in, tra in tank treatment was? Have you tried those? No, have, you, have you tried them? Man, when I when I started looking at bumblebee snails and I started taking vermitids that I was able to collect and put them in with vermitid or with the bumblebee snails and I saw the bumblebee snails actually devouring them, I was like, okay. I uh, called my buddy Barnett from RVS Fish World and I'm like, hey, next time you got something coming into um, LA to a reputable person that would be willing to ship me a whole box of bumblebee snails, how many bumblebee snails do you fit in a box? He said three thousand. I said, okay, I'll take 3,000 bumblebee snails. He's like, what the hell do you want 3,000 bumblebee snails for? I'm like, I'm going to spread them out through the entire, throughout the entire farm and everywhere so I can see if these things eradicate vermitids. Didn't work? Doesn't work. Didn't work. Doesn't work. I've tried it. I, mean, I, I think it, uh, it it knocked them back a little bit, but it certainly didn't like eliminate them. Yeah. No, I mean, it, they definitely help. But with, with we're talking eighteen thousand five hundred gallons. I don't think three thousand snails is doing doing jack to it. You need at least I mean, one really. per gallon. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Um, but then at that point, I wouldn't have any other snails in the tank because they're little whelks and they'll eat your snails. Yeah, Sturgis Reef says bumblebee snails work, but uh, once the food is gone, they die. Do you have another video clip or another slideshow clip you can put up that I can go out here and grab a quick beer? Oh, absolutely, man. Let's uh... and. And I, again, I told you I stopped 
I don't drink much, but I just drank that thing. And if I don't go, I'm going to start dancing. So <laughs> do, if y'all can hold do, on for do, about do what, two minutes, I'll be right back. Do what you need to do. And at this point, we're going to do the, uh, the work shirt giveaway. I mean, I almost forgot about that freaking thing. Uh, go. Do that Do that while I'm gone. All right. I'll be right back. Folks. All right. So we're going to do the work shirt uh, giveaway here, uh, folks. And I apologize because I completely forgot about it. We got someone gross in this conversation about corals. But um, all right. here Here is how you can uh, enter the... Uh, this Reef Bum work shirt giveaway, and you could have your uh, name embroidered on the uh, on the work shirt. So the way you enter this contest is you go to my website, reefbum.com slash contact, all right? And I'm going to post the, um, the link right now in the, uh, in the chat. So you're going to go to the contact form of my website. <clears throat> which is that link right there, okay? And the 30th person starting now that um, goes to the contact from my website, the 30th person that puts work shirt giveaway in the subject heading will win the Reef Bum work shirt, customized work shirt, and um, multiple submissions will not count okay so don't uh don't submit twice second third fourth submissions will get um thrown out <clears throat> all right but the 30th person that goes to my website and goes to that link that i posted in the chat reefbum.com slash contact right that's going to get you to my contact um form page just put work shirt giveaway or something to that effect in the uh, in the subject heading and uh the 30th person that uh i see that email coming from will uh get this pretty freaking awesome shirt that both chris and i are sporting this shirt is awesome dude i can't believe i freaking almost forgot to give away the shirt i talked about at the beginning <laughs> we got so engrossed in this uh conversation that um I'm having a blast. I don't want it to stop. Like I'm enjoying so much we're talking about clothes. We're gonna have to keep going, dude, because you know. Yes. The uh, I need to like at least give enough time for thirty people to <laughs> go to the contact for my well, website. Well, it can't be that late. What time is it? Well, we're uh, <sighs> ah, we're only an hour and forty-five minutes into it, bro. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh, Willow. Uh oh, my cat just about knocked my beer over. That would that's, be that's beer abuse. That would be tragic. Party foul. That would be tragic. Um, so yeah. If anybody <sighs> has any uh, questions about that giveaway, then post them in the chat. But oh, and thirtieth person, go ahead, man. By the way, I am open to suggestions on any of the no namers that we just put up, like that insane by Fari. And this insane shagged, shaggy yellow polyp purple insanity. Uh huh. Um, You're open to. And then, uh, and then, and then, I guess the next one I think is a no name too. Keith. Yes, this thing, dude. What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Acropora rosaria. I know okay, that. I know that, exactly. That looks, that looks familiar. I know exactly where it came from. It came from the inshore reefs of Mackay, Australia. Um, I got it from um, uh, Nick DeSantos at Ultra Corals Australia. Um, 
he sent this scroll to me and uh, of course I kept it. Now you can't really see as much. Maybe you can if you if you zoom in on the photo, but interior the body it's yellow and green, then it goes to red, then to purple. And it has pink in it too. It's like unbelievable. It's a, a stunning coral. Um, I'm trying to think of in terms of what, what that reminds me of. And I, I, I can't think of something that it reminds me of. It's very unique. I, I'm open to suggestions for names. If you want to name any of the corals that are on Keith's thread here tonight, was it number? So that was number nine. That was number nine. The so one we saw before number, was eight. I don't know. And number six. Jason Langer number, says uh, cookie sprinkles acro. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot an email to Chris at ACIAquaculture.com. I'm open to suggestions for the names of the corals. <laughs> That's the worst part for me is putting a name on a coral. I would rather just say it's all these different colors and it's this species. But that doesn't fly in this industry. <laughs> Aaron says vivid confetti. That's different. It looks different than the vivid confetti. Which one? Oh Number no, nine. I have confetti. That's I have vivid there, confetti. It does different species and all together. Yeah. Um. Yes. And if anybody thinks that some of these corals that are no names are named already, well, I'll let you know. I imported it, so how is it the same coral? Oh yeah. Okay. That makes you know, sense. All, all the acros that we put names on ourselves, even if somebody says, oh, that's this. No, it's not because I imported it, you know, and that's the problem with the industry today is if it looks similar to something somebody put a name on, they just go with it. Yeah. When in fact, it could be completely different in six months or a year down the road. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Paul Graybeard Reef looks kind of like a nerd's acro. <laughs> Dude, I like that. I used to love nerds when I was a kid. <laughs> My son still loves the daggone things. <laughs> Peter Peter T. Call it Barney. That's that's already taken, right? Isn't that uh, Jason Fox has got a Barney acro or something? I have a bleeding Barney Ghani. It's a purple with red polyp Ghani. I call it bleeding Barney. My wife, Amanda got so mad at me. She's like, why would you call it bleeding Barney? I'm like, because I don't really like Barney. And I said, so you're he's gonna, bleeding. You're going you're gonna <laughs> to scar all the kids out there, dude. <laughs> Some people might like that too as they get older. The people don't, you know, my son didn't like Barney after a while. <laughs> my wife and I hated watching Barney. Our daughter was you like, and so, me both. oh man. <laughs> I liked uh, SpongeBob though. That was a lot of fun. That was... I still watch SpongeBob. Yeah, uh, I love SpongeBob. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get back into that. <laughs> um, a no name rainbow. What do we got? What, wow. what is that? Is that what you're talking about in terms of like blowing my mind, or is that just another? No. Uh, no. No. What is that? I don't know, but this thing's blowing my mind too. We, Daniel, my manager. Every once in a while, he'll just be like, you got to put this on the farm. So he'll put it up on this top rack, and we'll look at it, and we'll watch it. And I was like, whoa, look at this thing. So I glued it down to the tile, and that's on a three-quarter-inch frag plug glued to a tile about three months ago. And <laughs> it is turning into this absolutely ridiculous rainbow gem. And I was looking through these today when Amanda and I were going over it. And um, mm -hmm. he got back from lunch, and I was like, hey, come here and check out this one coral you throw on the farm. He's like, holy shit, where's that? I was like, go see if you can find it and grow out three. The halides are on. 
And he comes back. He's like, I can't find that thing anywhere. He's like, there's damn halides. I'm like, well, you see what it looks like. Why are you why are you bitching about the halides? I'm like, look what it did to your coral. <laughs> it turned into a complete gem. And he's like, well, I know, but you just can't see the colors in the coral until the halides go off. I'm like, ah. <laughs> um, we got um, we got some more suggestions here. Uh, Josh from Clearwater, the Grimace Acro. Which one? I'm not sure which one he's talking about. <laughs> um, oh, the Grimace. I would say that would be the purple and pink. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the one before that. Um, Sturgis Reef. Can we name one unicorn vomit? <laughs> That's so funny you say that because I'm, I heard about unicorn fart zoos and I'm like, really? Are we, are we serious here? People are buying these things called unicorn farts. Um, I came up with a name for something the other day and everybody lost it. And, um, it didn't stick, so I actually forget it now. But it had something to do with unicorns. But yeah, I'm not using unicorn in any names of any of my corals. <laughs> Jay Fauci, is that how you pronounce that? Fauci. First, you're stabbing corals, Chris. Now you're making Barney bleed. <laughs> says uh, then he says, Chris, you may need some red light therapy. <laughs> I get plenty of that daily. Trust me. I think I get sunburned once in a while from the halides. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Uh, ACI cherry blossom. Oh, dude. There you go. Wow. That's a stunner. Okay, that, That's a stunner. That photo was taken under 10K. Really? It's grown under 10K. Really? Wow. And you can't even see the orange that fades back to green and yellow in the base. Wow. That is another UCA Nick DeSantos collection. And he's the one that named it cherry blossom. And... It stuck with me because, I mean, look at that thing. What uh, it, it's as red as red can be. What's the uh, what do you think in terms of the uh, species? That's Rosario too. That's Rosario. Yep. And the reason why this one's growing so much different than the previous one that I caught a Rosario is because that previous one was a big chunk that I glued to a tile, and it's growing off of that chunk. That cherry blossom was literally a one inch frag that I said I was going to watch this thing grow out because when it came in, I, my jaw dropped because you can see the red, you can see the yellow and the orange and the interior. And then the green on the wild piece, I said, I want to watch this thing grow and puddle and then branch. And that is three years in the making on that coral right there. Wow. Three years. So that's not, uh, not ready for prime time yet. No, I think I need to um, – it didn't really start doing much until I put the 10Ks over it, and yeah. that's when it really just started taking off. So it probably puddled on a four-inch tile, and that's all it did for the first two and a half years. And then all of a sudden, um, it just went nuts. And as you can see it right there, that's three-quarter grading. So what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen wide – yeah times three quarters so that's what eight inches seven inches yeah it's it's, it's gonna, getting there it's gonna be a little while longer it's getting there yeah that's i might have to do a limited release on it that's gonna get snapped up real quick dude guaranteed <laughs> Guar especially when you see the frags because i do have one frag i cut off of it because i wanted to see what the frag would do and it's bright red orange and yellow to green puddle it's like poof. <laughs> 
how how many of your corals do you back up in other systems? You know, I mean, do you have like um, some corals that just are like, man, this is like this is one of my top majority. ten. Majority are backed up in other majority. systems. Yeah, I try to. Um, this one here, I don't yet though. Um, and actually, no, 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 I do. The fragment I broke off of it is in Graw three, um, and it looks just like it, but it's just this big, and maybe that big around at the puddle. Um, but yeah, I, I try to bank everything in different places. Plus, you know, with people like you and, you know, with Sanjay and, um, I got to start getting pulled a couple more of my, my prize pieces, but he hasn't been a hundred, you know, he hasn't been as geeky with his SPS as he used to be. So I'm like, Hmm, you know, he's been getting a lot of LPSs from me. So what should really? I do? Should I send him some acros? Yeah. He's, he's been really getting a lot of, uh, interesting stuff compared to what he normally gets, but huh. he, he does get acros as well. So I'm just kind of, I don't know. I don't know where he is. I think he's like in a transition or maybe not. He still loves his acros, but starting to really love the SPS or the LPS corals. Um, maybe he'll chime on here and tell me what he's thinking. Um, but I, 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 I didn't hear from him for a while. And all of a sudden I heard from him again. And he's like, man, I'm so sorry. I've been in touch. I'm like, dude, I, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so my head finally got firmly removed from my rear end and I'm actually coming back to myself again. So, uh, <laughs> I don't think Mike has met a coral that it doesn't like. So good point. <laughs> good point. When you're a geek, like, uh, uh, all of us, um, yeah, it doesn't matter what it is. It's it's unique in its own way. So, all right. This is freaking crazy. The ACI Frozen Lava, which is a great name. I mean, it's kind of like checking the two boxes right there because you're seeing like this this very like kind of, um, you know, uh, ice blue type of coloration yes. with yes. that intense. It, it does look like lava. I mean, it's, 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 it's almost like the ice is on top of the hardened lava, which is the black or darker area on top of the molten lava inside of it. I mean, my employee, Justin came up with that today. That was a, Oh really? That's a new name. That's a new name. Like we, I've been trying to figure out what to name this thing. Um, Paul Hughes. That's perfect. It is right. I mean, yeah. it, it was like done. You know, Amanda's like, I heard, she heard that and she's like, okay, that's it. Um, but there's a gentleman, Paul Hughes. I think he watches your show. Um, he's from England and he's, uh, him and his, uh, him and his wife are amazing. They've been to visit me. Um, and they're, they're great people to know. And when he was over at, uh, at ACI at the farm, um, he was back, I think he was here in Orlando in May or June, somewhere in those, in that time frame. he stopped over to see the farm and, um, he had to see the Royal Court because, he, of course, he's from England. So he wanted to see the Royal Court of Hammers. And um, he um, absolutely loved the Royal Court and couldn't wait to – he was giving me all these different names. He's like, what's going to be the executioner? The princess is the best one so far, but you got to find one that's the executioner that beats the princess. And I'm like, I don't know. That's going to be a tough one because <laughs> the princess is the princess. You know, the executioner doesn't beat the princess in my opinion. Um, anyway um, – goes back in the back and he's looking at my quarantine system and he sees the uh, frozen lava. He's like, what in, what in God's name is that? <laughs> and he took a step back. He's like, is that real? And he grabs me and he's like, seriously, Chris. He's like, I have never seen anything that intense in color. For all you that are out there, and I'm sure there's plenty out there that are saying that that is a juiced up, jacked up photo. Uh -uh. If anything, the coral looks better in person. Um it really is that insane. 
Um, when you look at my pectinia or at the ACI pectinia garden, that's the first coral that comes to your eye. And then the second coral that comes to your eye is the massive colony of space invader that just blows your mind as well. This coral is so insane. It's stunning. Um, I can't wait to, I wish I could figure out how how to make this little bastard grow faster. (laughs) How long have you had it in your system? What's that? How long have you had it in your system? You you got it in twenty one. It's been in the. Uh, it, I got it in twenty one. Um, wow. From the end of twenty one. Wow. Um, I put it in quarantine the beginning of twenty two, and um, it's been it, it's probably about an extra two inches in width or diameter on it since we've gotten it because it was only about. I had it on a two. No, I had it on a three inch tile. And now that's mounted on a four-inch tile, and it's definitely um, getting out there to the four-inch range. Um, it's growing new. Um, what do you call them? Spires or meandering branches? Um, that's there's definitely probably twice as many on there as what it was when Paul he, he sees this video and chimes in because I know he's over there. If he is watching this, he is seeing this. He's freaking out that I'm putting this coral up on a, on a video because. Uh, he can't wait till I get my company CITES permit so he can send him corals. He's like, whenever you can do that, he's like, I need a piece of this coral. That is the most insane pectinia ever. And we had to choose between this one and like five other ones that were just and the Papa Smurf. It's, it's, it's uh, I could have sent you a hundred photos. Oh, well, you probably it. have Here, a here's, here's a Papa Smurf. Blow your mind. Like it used to be red in the center. I got that in 2020. I released it once uh-huh. and now I decided I wasn't going to release it again until I had a lot more available of it. I've got now five mother colonies and the picture you're going to show if you show it yeah, is it. the center of that coral used to be red and now it's a rainbow. So it's still called Papa Smurf, but I was thinking about calling it Papa Gargamel or something. <laughs> Papa Gargamel? <laughs> I don't know. Gargamel's a wizard. You know, Papa Smurf. Uh, it used to be the Papa Smurf. I, Gargamel. That's not my thing, man. You got it went right, right over my head. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you didn't watch the Smurfs when you were a kid? No. I used to watch them every Saturday no, morning. <laughs> what, was what, what did I watch? Scooby Doo or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> now I'm like, now I'm, you know, that and, I used to watch that, that and too. Fat Albert. No, that was like a quality of Fat, Fat Albert. Albert, man. Of course. You know, of now course. I'm definitely telling you know my my showing my age here in terms of uh what cartoons hey. i was watching as a kid but uh i watched scooby-doo and fat albert too so <laughs> uh bill cosby's uh yeah you know c- c- kind of uh, a lot of a lot of stuff has happened to bill cosby uh since hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> um we got to yeah. answer one question from jay fauci because he's been asking it five different times in the uh, the live stream so let's let's uh let's address What's this up, man um, bubble algae, man. What's the best way to get rid of bubble algae? Emerald crabs? Pop it. I got a lot of bubble algae in one of my tanks, and they don't do, you know, jack to any of my, uh, my corals, so I don't really worry, stress too much about it, but. Listen, as, as, a, as an importer, as a farmer, and as somebody that handles, you know, 18,500 gallons of water, bubble algae is a complete pain in my rear end. Um, what we do for bubble algae is we just, Literally, people are like, oh, you can't do this. Yes, you pop can. It. Just get in there and just pop it. Scrape it off with a toothbrush. 
buy yourself if you have a big enough aquarium. Okay, I don't recommend somebody that has a 50 gallon aquarium buy a, a, a naso tank and throw it in their tank. That's just ludicrous because they get two feet long. They need at least a hundred plus gallon aquarium, and even that's too small. I have um, flamingo tanks, uh, unicorn tanks. They're all these are all in the naso family. Unicorn tanks, flamingo tanks, blonde nasos, just the common nasos. Um, they, they devour that stuff. Like you wouldn't believe if you get it under control with, you know, by putting, you know, depending on the size of your tank, a couple of emerald crabs will help. Um, but definitely, um, any, any species of naso tang, um, especially as juveniles will just devour it. Um, and, and the myth that if you pop it, you spread the spores, it comes back 10 times worse. I have never seen that happen. Right. I think that it's, I think that's been debunked, right? Yeah. I mean, I had one of my employees who was a novice when he started, I had this one tank that was just bubble algae all over the grating. And I was constantly cleaning it out and taking care of it. And it was annoying. So I bought a bunch of naso tanks, juveniles, and I threw three in the tank and well, that was just like maybe a year ago. And those naso tanks are now like this big. <laughs> I just saw them today for the first time because they never come up above the, the racks. But um, I had my my employee go in there with a um, a, a, screw, a, a toothbrush. And our, egg, our grating is inch and a half in diameter. Now, granted, I couldn't even see through some of the grating. There was that much bubble algae in there. And he went through there and just cleaned it all out, scrubbed it, crushed it, smashed it, you know, did whatever to it, got caught in the filter socks. I put naso tanks in there like three weeks later and I haven't seen bubble algae in that tank since, except for places where the naso tanks can't reach. So, you know, I also have emerald crabs, um, but bubble algae isn't really a, an issue in my opinion. Everybody's afraid to pop it because of the misinformation put out on the internet, which is all lies um, about bubble algae. Yes, it's a pain in the rear end, but just pop it and get rid of it and put yourself some emerald crabs in and it, it'll keep it under control eventually. And, and, it, and it really um, doesn't do any harm to any of the corals. I mean, unless it gets like freaking no. big or something like that and starts encroaching on a coral, which is like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's you know. <laughs> that's your fault, yeah, then. <laughs> right. If you're a reefer, you're and I've, I've bubble had some big bubble algae pieces like, you know, but uh, it's <laughs> like, uh, you know, I think, you know, and, and I see that uh, Reef Keeper says Brightwell razor works on bubble algae, but it's a chemical. Yeah, yeah, it's a polymer-based no product. chemicals. Yeah, so that, you know you're you're risking uh, a little bit there. Don't add chemicals to your tank. Yeah, so it's not worth it. Don't add chemicals. It's to your not tank. worth it. If it's a chemical and it's a product being sold, I'm sorry, whoever these guys are that are producing it and putting it out there, but it's BS that they put. They allow people. They put this stuff out there. It's chemicals. It's not natural. You don't put chemicals in your aquarium to control shit. You do natural. Everything we do is natural. You know, people bash <clears throat> algae scrubbers. That's just, in my opinion, ignorance because it's a natural way of helping to reduce nutrients in your aquarium. Algae scrubbers are the best thing I ever did to my to my main farm systems for controlling nuisance algae problems. Um, keep your pH stabilized. Keep your minor and trace elements in. If you can do it, if you can't, then just use an MT product like the Isolate MT, which is adding the minor and traces. Cap, You're not going to be geeking. Captivate aquaculture. Yep, you're not going to be geeking out on it and doing ICP tests on a regular because some people can't afford to do that. I get that. But if you put minor traces in, you run a algae scrubber, and you keep your pH stabilized, man, a lot of the problems that reefers have are because they're being told things wrong. It's misinformation. It's all about selling products. Natural is better. Cy- Bottom cyanobacteria. 
How do you get rid of it? That's a tough I question. Know, I don't have that problem. <laughs> I mean, I keep my minor and traces dialed in, so I don't really see cyanobacteria. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, seriously, what I used to do, I used to buy that stupid red slime remover and throw it in my tank. That's now I don't. I use that That's for a chemical. dip. Yeah. <laughs> I use that for a dip. I don't add it to my full system. Um, cyanobacteria is present everywhere. There's so many different species of, dino, uh, of cyano, cyanobacteria, as well as dinoflagellates or dinos. Um, and dinos, a lot of times, a lot of species are uh, proliferating because of um, lack of iron in the system. But then there's a lot of species that don't even get affected when you add iron to the system. So every system is different, folks. And I can tell you what we do. And I do everything as the natural as possible, um, just so I'm not adding a chemical to my system that I don't know what's going to happen. Yes, I add calcwasser. Yes, I add minor and trace elements. But if you look at everything else I add, that's actually there's nothing else I add. What, that's what it. about uh, Reef Keeper <laughs> saying something uh, about fluconazole bryopsis? What uh, What are your thoughts on fluconazole? That's an antifungal medication. Um, and honestly, um, I don't have a problem with that, but I don't like to use it unless it's necessary. I do not use, I, I do not have bryopsis issues since the fluconazole that I used. When did I talk to you about that, Keith? Was that two years ago? Yeah, I don't even know. Maybe a year and a half ago. I, I got so sick of the bryopsis problem with the wild coral system, and then it was spreading into all the other systems. And I ended up buying a what a kilogram of two kilograms of, of fluconazole, and I still have a kilo and a half of it here. I haven't had to use it since, um, so I don't like using that stuff. But again, when it comes to bryopsis, I don't know of any other way to get rid of it unless you use harsh chemicals like fibrant or stuff like that. The fluconazole, after researching it and seeing people using it and seeing how it had no ill effects on the corals themselves and the fact that it was an antifungal medication, just like I'm not against using antibiotics in a system, but I prefer not to, um, the antifungal fluconazole – yeah, minute amounts of it will take care of your bryopsis problem. And um, I hate to say it, but I just said I hadn't seen it in a long time. But when we were cleaning our systems out today, I found one tank out of the how many we have that had a small patch of bryopsis. And I'm like, you bastard, <laughs> where the hell did you come from? You well, know? Ju like, Julian well, said that uh, bryopsis is like present in every system. He also said that uh, you know he doesn't see any exactly. reason why fluconazole shouldn't be used if it's a big problem. You know, I think um, my experience is that it's it's pretty easy to like just pull it from you know if if you've got a a small aquarium or something like that and and you see a little patch on a piece of rock, pull it and stick a little um, putty on there, two pot you know you know putty and just sure. cover it up, and uh, that works. You know, so you nip it in the bud. I'm going to tell a little secret about fluconazole that um, reflux won't like you to know. I use a tenth of the dose of what reflux told me to do. Yeah. And I used it and I put it in there for two weeks. I left it in for two weeks, took the carbon out, everything. 
and it worked just as good as the systems that I did. I had to use 50 grams in one system to get rid of it. And then I used five grams in a system because that's all I had left. And I'm like, ah, I'll just throw it in here to see what happens. And for two weeks, I didn't do any water changes. Well, I don't do water changes, but I didn't add any carbon to the system. And sure enough, that five grams in the same basic water volumes did the same thing that the 50 grams did in the same basic water size. So I used a 10th of it um, and it worked. And I learned that little trick from my buddy, Jason Fox. <laughs> right. I remember him talking about that. Um, so let me, let me say this one more time in terms of the, uh, the work shirt giveaway. Yes. Um, yes. the 30th person that reaches out to my contact form on my website. And, um, I put the link in the, uh, in the chat for some reason I can't pin it, but it's reefbum.com slash contact. All right. Put work shirt giveaway in the subject heading and the 30th person that I get that uh, contact form submitted from will win a Reef Bum work shirt with your name embroidered on it, just like Chris and I have on uh, tonight. Oh, right there. There you go. Oh, and by the way, I still have, and, I, and I've talked to him, but one of the winners of what I gave away last time still hasn't... Still hasn't had me send them his prize. Oh, the the Jay Coral pack? It still hasn't been claimed? Yes. It's still sitting there. I looked at it the other day. I'm like, man, those got to be freaking colonies by now, man. Mini colonies, right? <laughs> well, he, he's getting a frag. I ended up um, I ended up taking the, the, the immortal and uh, and the hard line, and I made new colonies out of them. Growing <laughs> <laughs> so freaking fast. <laughs> And the, the crystal experiment, I mean, I've got, we've got colonies of crystal experiment that are like this big now, like three of them. And it is such a gnarly coral. I love that coral. Yeah. I told you, I almost lost my, uh, my colony because you, gave me, a, you really? gave me a frag. It grew to a nice little, uh, you know, colony like that. And then, uh, it started like shitting the bed on me. And so I, I saved like a, maybe a dime sized piece of, uh, you know, um, that's all you need. Yeah, and and it seems to be uh, you know doing okay. So I was able to. Stay. Did it get gnarly and weird yeah, and growth yeah, the way yeah, mine yeah. is? So it's freaking a cool. Really, really unique coral. Um, Sanjay has it now. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, I'm sure. I'm trying to see whether it really is the aquatuberculata or not, because oh. that's what Jake called it. But I saw real, true aquatuberculata as I knew it at Sanjay's, and he sent me a piece of his. I sent him a piece of ours, of the crystal. Oh, so cool. pretty cool. Um, all right, so we talked about frozen lava. How about the Jake's, Jake's oh. toxic willow, man? That's that's a uh, that's a rare one, right? You know, I I imported this coral in 2019, and I got like 40 of them, and it is the most in, insane purple toadstool closed up, and then when these just ridiculous long green polyps with white tips come out you know jake was over here when he did the video on the pink panther and when he was geeking out over the farm and literally we spent four hours at the farm and we would just swap positions where we were standing talking about the corals that we had from my sump i think we spent two hours on the sump <laughs> right <laughs> um, but that's where the toxic willow was and he just kept going back to it and he's like i'm like man does that remind you of the weeping willow but green he's like 
nothing reminds me of the weeping willow. There's not another toadstool out there that anybody can call the weeping willow. The weeping willow is the most unique long polyp toadstool I've ever seen. And he still had it at the time. He's like, but this one here is super unique as well. He's like, when you release it, he's like, you're going to call it the ACI toxic willow. Not the toxic weeping willow. Uh The toxic willow. Uh He's like, because I see some potential. He's like, and the polyps are extremely long on it. Well, I ended up, uh, I still have my original piece that he was talking about. Then he got one of the small colonies, and that's this one here. It's a super slow grower. It does not grow fast at all. And that's why we've never released it. It's been four years now. A toadstool, you'd think a toadstool leather, you'd think the thing would be, you know, trash can lid sized by, you know, four four years later. But this thing's literally only about that big around. And um, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's one of my favorite corals. I wish that we would have had the ability to throw – well, we could have. But there's three more toadstools that Jake had that I got from him that Willow said I needed to take back. And of course, the weeping willow was not a part of that because Jake lost the weeping willow a couple of years prior. Um, but I got a piece of so-called weeping willow last week, um, and I'm not convinced yet. But if it actually if it actually turns out that it is the weeping willow, um, it's going to be super exciting for reef builders for Windsor because um, we vowed to go on the hunt for the true weeping willow toadstool and i see people send me photos all the time hey man i got weeping willow do you want it and i'm like that's not weeping willow yes it is no that's not weeping willow go look at jake's post that's weeping willow you know people are sending me photos of a of a toadstool with polyps that are this long on it that's it's not weeping willow show me some polyps that are like this long that are like wavy Looking like spaghetti noodles flapping in the current. Can, do, do, then you can say you got. Do you think um, the flow in the tank could potentially impact that though, in terms of the length of those polyps? Do you think the uh, you know more flow could potentially retract those polyps? Of course, um, Jake and I had that discussion. He said that everywhere he put it, he always put it in moderate, very moderate flow, not intense flow at all, and. The, the lower the flow he gave, as long as there was enough flow for those polyps to fully extend and then to, to reach away from the colony, they would extend out, you know, you know five to seven inches. Wow. And they'd have this beautiful white flower at the end of them. And if you look at the reef builder post he did on the reef, on the weeping willow, you understand exactly what I'm saying. Now, I got this coral as a fragment about this big from a customer of mine that said it came from a guy that got it from Jake you know, five years ago. And then that guy gave it to this person. This person had it in his aquarium and and the tank breakdown ended up going back to the shop where the guy said it was supposedly the weeping willow. Well, the polyps get about two inches long on it, but they're so fat and brown. It doesn't look like what Jake had. So I've only had it a week. So I'm going to give it a couple more weeks or maybe a month to see if it extends farther because they're really thick too they're not really thin like the weeping willow polyps were so i'm hoping that it's thick and long now but the polyp is white on the end i'm hoping that as it settles into my system that it extends out and i can send windsor a photo and say windsor i'm convinced i got the weeping willow little reef's gonna have weeping willow back <laughs> in it's in, in 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 the family as soon as uh, be, he's old enough to take care of an aquarium so cool 
I plan on doing that with every single coral that was near and dear to Jake's heart, man. I mean, I, Reef's got to have all those corals in his freaking aquarium. He's got to have his daddy's favorite corals. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's going to be an honor, personally, an honor to be able to hand those corals back to Jake's son at some point in time, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, whenever the hell that is. I hope I have all of it still. Yeah, yeah. That's, 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 that's awesome, dude. Um, all right, we got a few more to go through here. The, uh, the ACI Splatter Frammer. Oh, God. So that's a, is this thing ridiculous or what? That's a cross between a um, – that's a branching hammer. Is that what that is? It came as branching hammer. Or maybe it came as paradivisa. I don't remember. I just know I got it in on an endo-coral shipment. And at first glance, when you go to the, the, the mother colony next to it, the next photo, you don't see that it's a frammer. Um, I just believe that it's a, a completely different species than Paraancora, Paradivisa, and I think there's a lot out there we don't know. Um, but that coral is coming to market very soon, probably January, February. Well, there's a, you got I think a bunch we, of frags, dude. You got, you know, I've got over 300 frags. Wow. We had uh, 15. I took, um, what was it? 15 polyps from one colony that we imported or no, is it two colonies? Yeah. It was like probably two colonies. We had 15 polyps. I glued them all to singles down to a plug onto a tile. They all grew out in the colonies, the size of the one that you, um, you showed. And, um, now they've all been broken down. They were all probably like 30 to 40 polyps a piece. So I have five colonies left and there's like 300 single polyp frags that, I was going to release before Christmas, but I was like, nope. Hold on to it. I'm not, I'm not doing that on my sale week. Why would I release a new coral on my sale yeah. week? I did it last year with the Prince of Darkness, and it was a huge success. It actually got me to sell a bunch of those, but now the sales on that are flat because it's a black coral. Nobody wants it, but now people are starting to tag me in post going, have you seen the Prince of Darkness get one green polyp or tentacle? Oh, really? I'm like – I have one colony that is was all black, and it developed one polyp that is green and black. One out of like 12, 12 colonies. So is it going to morph? Who knows? That's the beauty of corals, right? Yeah, we don't that's, know what we're that's get. the fun part, man. You never know what's that's around the, the corner. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, man. We got one last coral. Number 15? No name. What is that? that? That looks like a, um, I want to say, you know, that looks like a, um, the pink lemonade a little bit to me, the Tari pink lemonade, but it's wild piece that came it's, in. Um, but, but the, um, the tips kind of throw me a little bit. The green. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Like I was thinking it was a microclod. Uh, micro, microclodus. Yeah. From, yeah. I think I got it. And that's not even the right name for that anymore. I can't even remember what the new classification for microclotus is. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, that, um, they changed that too. Yeah, um, I think I, I, well, I know I got this from from uh, a Bally Mariculture piece. Um, and I thought it was sent to me as Vincent's Pikachu. Huh. But Pikachu stays bright yellow. Yes. With red. Yeah. This one here, unless it's just the magic of ACI, it turned the Pikachu into something different. I don't know. Um. I'm digging those pink polyps, you know? 
That, um, that's why it reminds me of the Tyree uh, Pink Lemonade, but it's different. It's it's not the same coloration. Agreed. Not the same coloration. Agreed. Oh, she did put the Papa Smurf on there. Did you put the Papa Smurf up already? I did. Yeah, but that – yeah, I'm sorry. I, I went to the next because I wasn't sure how many more photos she has up. Yeah. That was uh, – Oh, the, she did give me the video at the end too. So I'm looking at my Dropbox so I didn't have to worry about having – um, the, delay. the whole stream going yeah. up so I could see it. Yeah. That way it's easy for me to talk about the corals without having to be able to see yeah. them. Um, no, I played the video. Yeah. That, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, I don't know what to call this one here. Um, it's super cool, but it's still, that's the only colony that I have. So did you give me a, probably did, look you didn't give me a frag of that, did you? Because I got something that you gave me that I can't remember what it is. It, it looks, it's starting to look like that a little bit. I might have because I know I sent you some that I didn't have names on that I wasn't sure that I was just like, ooh, Keith needs that. <laughs> so I don't know, buddy. I mean, you probably got some corals that uh, – <clears throat> well, I know I got you, you got corals that I can't remember I sent you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, what do you think of that Papa Smurf? You know, I I only have one pectinia, and that's the uh, the Space Invaders. But um, that is a looker. That really is a looker. I'm I, I'm I remember when that coral colony came in. I, I I posted it up on my what you see is what you get, and it was back in 2020 when coral prices were really high. And I think I was selling it wholesale for six hundred dollars for a pectinia, and I'm like, ain't nobody gonna buy it. And sure enough, nobody bought it. So I kept it and then I fragmented it out and then somebody did buy half of it. Um, and I've been growing it now for three years and it has just completely morphed into this insane rainbow center, blue, greenish, just wow. So I have not um, fragged my uh, my space invaders yet and I've had it in my system for, for a long time and it's gotten pretty damn big. But I've heard the way you can frag a pectini is basically take a, uh, some scissors to it. Is that how you fry yeah. them? You just cut them with a you scissor? You can. You can, but um, that all depends on how thick the area is that you're going to cut. Okay. Um, I I usually use – I like clean cuts. I don't like the tear in the tissue. I just feel like I'm – you know, it's like I wouldn't want somebody just yeah. poking a hole in me <laughs> and then ripping my skin off, you know? Um, I don't know. I kind of think about the coral in, in that way. Um, bandsaw? Bandsaw. Yeah, I try to use a bandsaw for most everything. Um you know, certain things like if there's real big branches that are on it, I'll take a bone cutters to them. And that's a pretty clean cut. Um, yeah. Even though it kind of crushes. If you, what you really need is a true bone cutter that actually has the, that. Yes. I've got one of those. So that way you don't yeah. crush and it actually gets a full yeah. round. You know, they're actually better to cut something like, you know, especially when you're cutting fimbrophilia and euphilia, you can't use a bone cutter because if you do, you're going to crush it. Right. If you use a real bone cutter that has the circle cut, that's probably the best way to cut a pectinia. Um, or if it's not a big, no, not too big and you can fit it under your bandsaw, use the bandsaw. Cause, um, you know, actually my, my space invader, man, it didn't put on this, but that damn thing's like this big now. And I, I bought the Gryphon XL so I could use it to cut big acro colonies and, and Space Invader Pectinius. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what I'm going to use. I've, I've got the same thing. So that's, yep. that's the way to do it. Dude, so um, cool. we're about two and a half hours in. And uh, hey. 
We're through all whatever you want to do, my friend. <laughs> I'm, 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 uh, if you want to have some more questions from them, you know, from the, from the people watching real quick, and then we call it a night. Um, I'm really having too damn much fun this, this time. It's probably one of my favorite times to be on here because I'm, we're looking at all these amazing corals and talking to the people at the same well, dude, time. We're just and, talking reef, you know, and that's like a lot of fun. So I think that's, and it's not about pH. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, believe you me, man. We had plenty of questions about pH earlier in the stream. I was like, all right, uh, we're not we're not talking pH. We're not talking, uh, you know. Chris Meckley Consulting's coming up on the internet real soon. And, oh, you're doing um, that? I am. We have to, uh, we, we haven't finalized things yet, but we've already got an idea, a layout of what we want to do. I'm going to do um, Chris Meckley's Reef Consulting at LLC. And we're going to start something because I, I got to spend time with my family and I want to help people, but my time is valuable too. And I help so many people all the time that um, I think it's pretty best if I just, uh, you know, put something up and set up a separate business. And if people want to come on and, and do it, then great. If they don't, then didn't hurt me, you know, um, but I got people from all over the place that have been, and, and a lot of people have offered me money for my time. And I respect that more than anything, you know, and, and I have never collected it, even though they, uh, they've asked or offered, but um, it's definitely something that we're going to look into, you know, getting done and setting up specific uh, times and days of the week when it happens and people can go on. It's going to be a simple page where you go on and you go, okay, I pick this time slot on this day. Boom. We make a call. You pay for your slot. We, can, we call, we talk. If we go over the slot, we figure All right, it out. folks, so you heard that. Uh, but I can help people, and I, I, I want to help people. So, um, it, so if, if they want to, uh, if they're interested in this stuff, Chris, just follow you guys on social media to, to see how they can, uh, you know, once you guys get this up and running, that's uh, kind of like how they'll uh, be able to find you. Uh, yeah, I'll be, okay. we'll be putting it up for sure. Um, I'll probably start a new Facebook page on it too. <laughs> yeah, you should, man. Your time is valuable, and um, it I, I, it would be invaluable for anybody to invest their uh, you know time and money to um, to consult get get some get some advice from you because uh, I've uh, I've learned a lot from you, dude, and um, yep. you know so I think we we joke about pH and caulkwasser and all that stuff, but. I'm pretty sure that's uh, where you would be pointing some people. In terms, it, it is real. It is real. It's not. Um, it's not a lot of hype. It's uh, and and it's and it's cheap. It doesn't cost a lot to uh, to be uh, yes. to be a to be doesn't a cockwasser uh, um, person. Um, Polo one one two. Six, thank you so much for that super chat. You guys are still live, question mark, exclamation point. Thanks for putting together another great discussion. Um, <laughs> you, uh, I, I've seen Thanks a couple of us. recent comments about flow. We, uh, we talked about flow pretty, uh, pretty in depth earlier in the, uh, in the live stream. I don't even know what point that was uh, when we talked about flow, but we, uh, we did cover uh, flow. So, As yeah. like an hour into it. <laughs> I think the bottom line was uh, random flow. Flow. Um, you yeah all right go go back and watch that segment because it'll uh corals can handle yeah. more flow than most yeah. people think um yes what else do i see over here um 
Oh, I hear it so much about lights, but oh, oh, Justin, yeah, flow tips. All right, we uh, we covered that stuff. So, all right, dude. So I think we're uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, what did I want to say? So you talked about the potential uh, the uh, the new uh, consulting thing. So people follow ACI on their Facebook page and Instagram to um, to be in the loop on that stuff. And um, I think also as important. If you want to pick up some of these incredible, awesome corals that ACI has, then um, if your local fish store is not a um, customer of ACI, then you can actually ask them to, you know, have ACI provide them the corals. Right? What What's the protocol, uh, Chris, in terms of a local fish store? They basically just have to reach out to you guys and and start a an account. They can go into yeah, just go to ACI. If it's a local fish store, go on ACIAquaculture.com and new customer, fill out the application. Um, I I vet everybody. So if um, you're not legit, you don't get um, approved. Um, and I'm very, very adamant about who I am. Um, you know, if you're a maintenance and service company, uh, prove it to me. Make sure you have a uh, liability insurance policy covering your rear end because um, anybody can say they're a maintenance and service company and just be fly by night and that's not who I want to do business with. I want to do business with people that are actually doing it the right way. Um, actually, I've saved so many people's rear ends by making them get an insurance policy to be able to be a customer of mine and then they thanked me in the long run. Um, but as a store owner, cater to brick and mortar stores, um, you know, I, we've been, we started in our garage. Um, I have a soft spot for people that want to start out, but you have to prove to me that you are, it is your sole source of income. You can set up a um, 40 gallon breeder next to your 280 gallon aquarium and call yourself a business, but that doesn't fly with me. Um, I'm not going to approve that account. Um, you got to have, you know, a legitimate website, legitimate, you know, um, show me that you're really truly be trying to become a real business, not just somebody that's got a full-time job doing a gig on the side. Um, bottom line, I would love to have everybody as a yeah. customer, but that's just not feasible as a wholesaler. So just make sure you got all the proper documentation and um, fill out the application. We'll get back to you um, as soon as we get your application. Um, and and uh, what about the um, Reef Science series with Chris uh, Wood at uh, Captivate Agriculture? Any any more uh, videos dropping on that? They will be. Um, like I said to earlier in the show, I had to get my my head firmly um, removed from my rear end, and I think I've done that now. Um, and I'm in a much better place than I was, and uh, it was just hard to come together. And um, I talked to Chris uh, just uh, last week about starting up the Refagger Science series and actually sticking to it a weekly video and instead of it being through the week, we're going to try and hurry him and I are going to try and film it on like nine o'clock in the morning on Saturday mornings, um, every Saturday, and then start putting more uh, frequent videos up. Um, it's something that we both are passionate about, but when your head's <laughs> not there mentally, um, it just doesn't work. And I think my head's back to where it needs to be. And uh, I think it's going to be a good time once we uh, get it rolling. Two more quick again. questions. Uh... So look for that probably. Bahama yep. Lama, Remy, where the hell were you, man? You're finally uh, coming into the stream two and a half hours in. <laughs> oh, boy, Remy. Mickley is back. 
I'm so late again. Cheers, buddy. Um, yeah, dude, we're kind of wrapping it up here, mm -hmm. but uh, good to see you in the chat. Uh, two quick questions from Sturgis Reef and, and uh, <laughs> Sayurism. Um, so any ACI coral vendors in Massachusetts, and do you guys have an ACI coral vendors finders type of like a search type, type of thing where you can search for a local fish store that is an ACI vendor? Good question. I don't remember if you put up all the stores that are supporting us on our website so that people can go to it or not. That's a good idea. Um, you know, I'm not an internet guy. I'm not a uh, techie guy, but um, that's something I can definitely easily do is put the list of all the stores that we are currently cool. selling to up for people that would be get ACI farmed corals. Um, I think we can probably get something like that put up on our website, but um, my website's garbage as it is and we're working <laughs> on a new one um just seeing these things cost Yay, much money. my dude. gosh to do it right it's like wow um that's why we haven't gotten <laughs> one fixed <laughs> um so as of right now not that i i don't think there's anything up there uh, what was the, the same question? kind of question um, the, stores in Ma Mass stores yeah, stores in massachusetts or, yeah massachusetts <sighs> nothing off the top of your head man i i i own the place and i can't remember all the stores i mean we got so many customers well, you said and, like you 600 know, that, 600 stores you know, and, and because everybody you know the way the business that get my emails yeah. that doesn't mean yeah. they all buy but you know I, this is the problem with you know the way i like to do business i like to be on a personal level with my customers and that's just not the way things are these days and nobody wants to talk to anybody even though I want to talk to everybody. Um, and I don't even know probably a third of, or maybe even two thirds of my customer base anymore personally, like I do with the OGs that have been with me since day one, because, you know, I talk to everybody at least once or twice, but it's like, they don't want that personal level. Um, I wish it was, I wish it was like the old school days where, you know, you made the phone call, you talked to your, you talked to your supplier and you, you know, you had a good quick conversation and you talked about the cool shit you had in stock and you said, okay, you know, send me, send me some corals. You know, it's how it used to be. Um, now it's everybody's got to see every single thing. So the perspective has kind of gone yeah. away. So I don't remember all of the shops that I deal with. And I know I got some <laughs> up there. I just can't remember their names right now. Oh, all pets in Massachusetts. club. I don't know if you got anybody that knows all pets club. Um, uh, I know they're in um, Massachusetts. They're in um, Connecticut. Sounds familiar. And they're in Rhode Island. It's four. It's, a, it's four stores. All Pets Club. Um, love the owners. They're amazing. Amazing two dudes. They're amazing guys. Um, they got a full line shop. Um, they don't buy tons of coral from me, but uh, the guys that are working for them when when they do order, they always call me and they're always interested in buying all the name stuff. So um, I better. You know, leave it at that, or I'll keep rambling. Well, this is a kitten. This might be the longest one. Yeah, right? Well, this is a good time to end, man, because your internet connection is dragging ass. <laughs> <laughs> you're coming in choppy, man. The last ten, 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 My ten fifteen minutes, you're, like, you're oh right. man, what's going on over and down in Plant City? I don't know, man. But dude, listen, thank you again. Saying, I'm tired, Chris. <laughs> Shut the f up. I think it's the internet. It's like you know, it's 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 saying something here. It's like, all right, it's time to end this thing because Chris's connection sucks. So, uh... <laughs> 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 all 
Well, let's yeah. leave it at that, then. dude. <laughs> Chris's internet connection it's, sucks. Uh, it, it is always a lot of fun, dude, to, to hang out and talk to you. Uh, always enjoy it thoroughly and always learn a lot, man. Always. So, cheers, you, brother. I, I I enjoy this every yeah, every single me, time. Me, I look forward too. to it. Thank you so much, and yeah, and, thank and everybody again, for listening. Man, uh, happy holidays to you and your family and everybody else out there. Happy holidays. Uh, I'm gonna be um, I'm gonna be off uh, next week. I'm gonna have your um, your buddy. Um, Who's going to be my next um, Joe from Carolina Coral Heads. You, uh, you, you, uh, you pass along his name. He's going to be on uh, two weeks on uh, Tuesday, January 2nd. I'm going to get him on. Yeah. Man. Got some kick-ass looking. I cannot wait to hear Joe. He has an M reef tank. I got the oh. uh, confetti from him. Oh, I better shut up. I'll just, I'll just comment <laughs> when Joe's on. All right. All right. Well, he does. He's got some amazing corals. He does. He, he, so, uh, all right, everybody. Well, listen, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, I want to thank Chris again for being on the live stream. I also want to thank both Folk Reef Supply and Nicotech Marine for sponsoring and supporting the show. Also, thank all of you folks out there for watching and contributing via the, uh, the chat. Big thank you to Paul, who is the moderator, as well as the president of the Boston Reefer Society. Please join and support your local reefing clubs. They are so important to this hobby. Also, want to let you know that all... Uh, wrapping with Reef Bum episodes are available as podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon. Um, Joe's going to be on my next uh, live stream in two weeks. So if you want to check out the full upcoming schedule of guests, visit ReefBum.com under the YouTube section. Until next time, be safe and be well. Later. Later. Thanks, Keith. <laughs>